Welcome to First Contact. Make First Contact right here. Here? Uh, actually, over there. Actually, right here. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I am your host, Davin Scalhorn, and my guest for this initial First Contact segment, our interview segment here on Locutors of Trek, is Andre Mayette of the hey. Graphic Histories Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Devin. It's great to be here, and it's great to hear you say your last name, so now I know how to do it from now on. <laughs> oh, <man>. That's no <laughs> problem. I get thanks that for having a me. This is, a, this is a real real pleasure. You're, uh, you're welcome. Start off with a little interview of Andre here. Oh, yeah. How's that interview sound, Andre? Away. Yes. All right. Bring it this on. is our diplomatic our diplomatic introductions here at First oh. Contact. Andre is an artist, a podcaster, and a professional wrestler. Is that not correct, Andre? That is correct. I'm also a trivia host, a graphic and a trivia host, and an actor. Yeah. So uh, yes, a lot of things, uh-huh. but uh, all of those do fall into those categories for sure. I have I a card that just says man. <laughs> That's all right. I have a card that just says "Man About Town" with like a huge list on the back of all the things I do, and it's a it's it's a gas to pass it out to people. For well, sure, that gives me a lot of places to go with questions. So that's good. That's the right. longer the list, the better. Uh, you join us from Truro, Nova Scotia. Yes, correct. Yes, I am living here uh, in the hub of Nova Scotia, on the muddy shores of the Minus Basin. Yeah, actually, yes, I'm very. I actually live very close to the Bay of Fundy. It's like I can see it from my window. It's right there. Very nice. Tied in or out. Oh, it's quite in right now. Quite in because <laughs> oh, all the land around here, like I live in um, an area called Old Burns, where there's like a lot of uh, farms, and uh, there were quite a few uh, flooding because of all the recent rain. So, like, quite a few areas and big fields are just flooded right to the rim, rim right now. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we had some good rain there the other day. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> Biblical. It's like 100 millimeters or something. It's like the most they've had since I don't know a couple decades. My my koi pond was very full. <laughs> oh, happy coin. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure. They got all this new space. <laughs> um so your your professional wrestling. Mm. Yes. Uh, did you have a uh wrestling hero growing up in in uh uh, well, I grew up, actually grew up beside of Anaganish. Um, I moved oh. to Truro for school when I was 18, but I grew up in a little community called Bayfield or Afton Trackety, that area. If you're going through, if anybody's familiar with the Nova Scotia geography, if you're passing through on your way to Paroxbury or Cape Breton in that area, uh, you kind of have to go through it from Anaganish. It's about 15 minutes from the town proper. But uh, yeah, no, I grew up watching um, watching old school wrestling, of course, like stuff from the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, I always really liked, I mean, when I was a kid, I loved uh, The Ultimate Warrior. Like, it, it, he's far from any inspiration for me as far as character or wrestling style goes. Like, I've never emulated anything he did. But just as a kid, he was just such a larger-than-life sort of character. Um, but I always was really drawn to, like, Macho Man and uh, and some of the bad guys just because they're the more interesting characters. You know, like, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, was a huge inspiration for me growing up and kind of on my, my heel wrestling character that I had for a lot of years. Um and as time went on and I got into like wrestling as a young, younger teenager and then older teenager, um, Kurt Angle was my, my number one still is of all time. Best of all time. Oh, wow. Hands down. 
That's but cool. a lot of love. Did you go to the local people. shows as well, like to see the, uh, the the beasts and the Cuban assassins and those uh, types of films? That yeah, I was kind of right in the cusp of when like that was fading away, and like when yeah. I was old enough to really pay attention. Um, mm. And like real action wrestling was coming up, which is like a lot of the guys that were in Grand Prix doing their own thing. And I've wrestled mm. with quite a few of those guys as the years went on, like Cowboy Mike Hughes and Brody Steele and um, Wildman Gary Williams, Trash Canyon, all those guys. So um i kind of got to know them a little bit growing up and then of course when i got into wrestling got to know them a lot better which is pretty cool but i have been on tour with some of the old old guys like the cuban assassin and um uh leo burke who's super cool uh and always uh one of the coolest people as far as wrestling goes in this area that i've ever met one of the best of all time hands down like Bret hart yeah Bret hart references him all the time as being like one of the best that taught him a lot so because he he went through the stampede and did all that sort of stuff as well uh that would do it that's a small wrestling community here in the, in the Great White North. Kinda. I mean, it seems to be getting bigger and bigger as you know, with all these new outlets that are coming here and there. That's still regional. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Still, uh, I do admit, wish it was sort of the old days where there was like a territory system, where you know the, you had regional champions and you'd fight off for the territory champion. I mean, that that's that, those are sort of the heyday of the coolness of wrestling, but with like internet and and the fact that there's so many different promotions and you have to get them all to agree. Which is impossible. If you've tried to organize wrestling, it's impossible. Um, the, I, I think the day, the chance of that ever happening again are long gone. But it's still cool. Like it's still like to, to think that that could happen someday is, is a really mm. nice idea. I think people would like it for sure. I agree. Do you have a favorite match you've done? Oh wow, um, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm proud of a lot of them. Uh, I've wrestled some like names, you know, people that have been you know, made it in the WWE or some other companies over the years and they've always been fun matches uh but a lot of the the best ones i've ever had are just with um actually a guy that i started with his name's chris cook uh the big picture mm-hmm. and uh we because he's a like an innovative guy who's always open to do different stuff and something new and exciting we always come up with cool stories and and stuff that really gets the crowd going so i've uh i had a really good match with him uh here actually here in truro one time for ihw years ago for the Red Rock Wrestling Championship, which I'd lost to him the week before. It was a rematch for it. And it was a, a super, super cool match. Yeah, it was one of the, as far as stuff like that. But I guess most recently, um, I wrestled for UCW in Guysboro, which is very close to where I grew up. And a lot of my family came out. Um, uh, and there was probably like 25 people in the audience that all knew me or were related to me or something like that. or people And just people that knew I was from the area and were there to support it as well. So um on top of that, with the hundreds that were there, it was like the loudest crowd I've ever heard in my life. And just hearing like all those people chanting uh, old school or, or Andre or something that effect was pretty neat. So it was it was a, a, more recently that'd be the one that stands out for me. And you got the biggest pop of the night. I did. Yes. Yes. I'll, yeah. I'll take the credit for that one. I'm usually pretty humble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For that one, I'll take the credit. <laughs> You're in your hometown. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I got to I got to I got to I got to, you know, got to get the get the, the rub when I can. So tell the people about your art. I have some of your artwork uh, that I picked up on your walls. Like, Andre and I actually met sitting next to each other at a comic yeah, convention. Yeah, yes, yeah, I remember. Uh, mm. You had your own comic out, which is... Um, you yeah, well, it actually there. never came to fruition. No? I became a podcaster instead, and the artist had a baby and moved away. and Had, <laughs> had a life. Went on to yeah, have exactly. real life. Yeah, <laughs> so that's uh, what I fell apart and found my true calling. Yeah, but you're, the stuff you're writing was great, so I'm hoping you don't you're not you haven't gotten away from that i really enjoyed it um i do a lot of uh retro kind of style prints a lot of like one kind of one color a lot of tribute sort of art to like the old like 
t-shirt style kind of like where it's all sort of a, a monochromatic sort of thing um i do kind of fluctuate between that and some traditional artwork like most recently a friend of mine who i'm not sure if you're familiar with andrew clark you know andrew uh, he does an independent comic called adam um he's out of the halifax no, with and, that one. I think. i've uh, seen the name around i think but, yeah, yeah super cool guy so he's doing a kickstarter for his uh, my cat's making an appearance on your show there i think you see him over my my chair um so yeah he's doing uh, he has this he has this comic called Adam, which is sort of like a kind of a like a I want to say paranormal investigator, just sort of like a kind of a Constantine type, but more more of you know a, kind of a badass sort of character. And he um, so he was doing a Kickstarter and he asked for uh, me to do kind of a print that he's going to have as one of his incentives for the Kickstarter. So that's recently gone up online. There's the art for it. Um, that's just the inks, oh, nice. the pencil oh, ink. Nice. So oh, I, I yeah I did the character with Frankenstein through Igor. And yeah. And uh, so you can see the colored stuff on social media. Um, I believe I have it on the Graphic Histories podcast Facebook page. I think it shows up there tomorrow, but it's also on uh, on his stuff for his Kickstarter. So, yeah, a lot of that sort of stuff. It, it's very nerd-based. Um, and, it, like, if I see – I did a lot of Marvel movies. I do, uh, like, Stranger Things, stuff like that, like, just things that really appeal to me. Uh, you know, I kind of want to do a squid. What's the one you have? I have Agent Carter, and I also have Ant-Man. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking. For, I I've kind of fell off. Obviously, with COVID, I have there's been no convention, so I haven't had as much, uh, you know, drive to keep doing new ones at the moment until the cons come back. I have a few that I had printed just before, um, things had gone on that are still sitting, you know, in my basement. So hopefully, when conventions come back, I can bust those out. I got ones for like the Joker and the Mandalorian and some other stuff like that that were kind of big at the time that I was a fan of. So yeah, I'm excited to get back on the con. Did Market. they do a decaf this year? Yes, but I was wrestling, I believe, that weekend, uh, so I was unable to attend, unfortunately. I know they did Halcon, but that was a very uh, bare-bones version. I was also in a play as an actor that I was on the same weekend, so I did not. It wasn't able to attend that, unfortunately. But well, that was going to be my next question. Tell us about your <laughs> acting. Uh, yeah, I, I do uh, some film stuff uh, when it's around. It's coming back around now in this area. Um, I was in a Stephen King movie a few years ago called Big Driver that was on, I think it was a Life Network or one of those, which was surprisingly gritty and dark for a movie on the Life Network. But uh, it was Stephen like King, Life Network. Yeah, I know. It's like rape and murder and revenge and oh like, God. you know, all this sort of stuff. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, and that, so it was actually really cool. I got to act with um, uh, Maria Bello, um, who she shows up in a lot of stuff. She was in, do you, do you ever see History of Violence? Oh yeah, the Cronenberg yeah. movie. Yeah, she's the mm -hmm. wife of that. Um, okay. And, yeah, That's she was movie. in. Yeah, as one of my favorites. She was in, um, mm -hmm. like, the Mummy Three. She took over Rachel Weisz's character. She was in. Okay. A bunch of. Uh, is that the Scorpion movie. one? No, that was the second one. the The Emperor, the Dragon Emperor, is the third one. The oh, one with, um, okay. Jet Li as the the oh, uh, right, Ch right. Chinese mummy. Uh, yeah. So she and uh, she's in a lot of cool stuff. Like, um, I, I'm not doing her a service to remember everything she's been in, but she's been in a lot of cool stuff. And um, Olympia Dukakis was in it too, who won an Oscar. So that was kind of. I met Olympia and... once. Did you? Yeah, when I was a concierge at a hotel, she was really. Was it Lord when I was doing this elephant. movie? Maybe. I was like eighteen. This was a long time ago. Well, this movie is probably about ten years ago, maybe a little less than that. Eight years ago, maybe. Longer, way longer. Okay. Cool. Well, they did film. <laughs> she she was did cool. film. Uh, she did film other movies here, so she's probably here for like maybe Cloudburst or one of those other ones that would have came out she probably around was. that time. 
I think Paul Serino might have been here at the same time. Might have been oh, really? with him. Serena, yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, he was staying at the hotel too. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, no, yeah. she was super sweet, and it was cool doing a scene with her. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah, that got me. In She's a nice lady. It would have been great to do a scene with her. Uh, and but it was like three in the morning. It was the last scene of the whole movie. It was super late, and uh, I had like I got shot in the neck and in the head, and we had scenes together where after I was dead, I was talking to her. It's kind of like a dream sequence. And uh, it was interesting. It was cool, though. And and I got to work with a friend of mine, Mark DeVoe, who's a special effects artist here locally. I know Mark as well. He yeah. turned me into Jesus for a movie trailer once. Oh, really? It yeah, can't be that scars hard. And things. It couldn't have been no, it was hard. just a bunch of scars. Uh, <laughs> scar you up. You got to get that yeah. Jesus scar on you. Um, yeah. yeah, so and that got me in the union, and I've done stuff here and there. I, in theater acting, I've always done since pretty much I moved to Toronto. It was just kind of a whim i got involved with it and uh, really enjoy it so i'm actually working on uh, about a year from now i'm going to be doing hopefully a stage play version of frankenstein here um for halloween so it's kind of my plan right now we're going to see how it goes but uh i have to submit it to the board of directors for the theater group we made to make sure it's all okay to go forward but it's the script from the nick deer one that was on stage that benedict cumberbatch did about 10 years ago Okay, so uh, wow. it's yeah him and johnny lee miller both did it and it's the closest adaptation i've ever seen to the book like the closest as far as the book goes uh mm-hmm. you know it's it's very true to the to the source material and, and pretty far removed from the you know like the one in that picture the universal monsters version so uh, which is great but it's not like the book <laughs> no it's great but i mean the yeah. book has all these great themes about creation and and, and fatherhood and, and life and what it means to be human and and you know why you know that's a con- like conflict uh, the confliction between everybody with good and evil and how the the more the creature becomes human the more he learns to hate and to be angry and mad and sad and, and all the things mm-hmm. that make us human and it's it's got some super deep themes that you know a lot of those fun universal movies i love those movies they like mm-hmm. you know miss out on well said um <laughs> did you have a favorite movie growing up uh, or a, yeah, I'm, or a I'm, couple I'm a huge movie person. Uh, I watch a lot of movies, and I love movies. So and, do I. Uh, yes. <laughs> and actually, it's a question I usually ask people is, what's your favorite movie? And if I if yeah. I haven't seen it, I'll just go watch it, because it means this much to somebody. Um, and, and by doing that, I've I've seen a lot of cool movies. I've seen a lot of really bad movies. Um, but, you know, I I don't think there's wasted experiences when it comes to movies. You take something away from it. So I, if I had to pick my favorite movie of all time, uh, and I mean, movies... You can, you can pick a favorite movie critically based on, you know, a lot of criteria, or you can pick one based on that criteria and how it made you feel or where it was in your life or that sort of stuff. So I, I say my favorite movie was Who Framed Roger Rabbit because uh, wow. it's a fantastic movie um, by itself, but it's a period. It's got everything. It's a period piece. It's a mystery. Uh, it's scary. It's hilarious. There's some romance in there. Um, you know, it's got a buddy cop comedy kind of thing to it uh the humor some of the humor still kills me it's still like if i watch the movie now today i still lose it a uh, judge doom is one of the best villains of all time oh is um he ever, oh Matt hands Brewer, down legend uh no no that was uh no it was christopher lloyd oh it was christopher lloyd yeah. not matt, matt Frewer. Frewer's the other tall skinny bald guy yeah 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 max yeah. headroom that's matt Frewer. yeah max headroom yeah, I love Matt oh, Furrier yeah. too, but uh, yeah, no, it was Lloyd. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I had a Roger Rabbit poster on my door as a child. I love that. Oh, movie excellent! Well. Yes, it was um, scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know when he melts the shoe, and and when he, when, you know, the whole. I don't. I mean, spoiler alert. I guess the movie's been out for thirty something years. Probably more. No, he's when I came out eighty nine, eighty eight, somewhere around there. 
So, mm. but it's great. Bob Hoskins is fantastic. The cast. Yeah. You got Looney Tunes interacting with Warner Brothers or Warner Brothers characters interacting with Disney characters, which at the time was unheard of. There's even it like all so these it does like Donald Duck and Daffy like having a piano war and all the stuff with uh, <laughs> with, with Jessica. Like it's all really really good. And that's um, a good pick. As far as like, if I just say like artsy, critical, like put on my beret yeah. and my scarf film, uh, yeah. I'd say No Country for Old Men. But really, it's a good movie. Yeah, I'm yeah, a big yeah. Home Brothers fan. Everything they do is <laughs> money to me. Oh yeah, so, me there's too. few directors that have Fargo been. Again recently. Uh, have you watched the show? Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen the last season, but man, I love the show. I love. Oh, that, I love that first season. That was the one with Billy Bob, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. It's he was one of the best villains of all time in that movie, and I or that yeah. show. And it's hard to even this, like all the seasons have been great, and I've always taken something away from each of them in a different way. But I'm a big fan of the show. So it's, I like in a villain where you can't quite figure out what their angle is, and that's his whole thing in that first season. Yeah, of that show. But even where like, is he coming from? Like, what's going on here? It's like, yeah. <laughs> And there's so many like Martin Freeman and like there's so many good actors in it and like yeah. the whole thing with him and Colin Hanks's character and at the end mm-hmm. when they finally had that final face off and he answers the riddle he told them when they first met and uh, yeah. it's just it's all so like the Coen Brothers and like Cormac McCarthy and and it, it extension the Coen Brothers with Cormac McCarthy's um, material which is No Country for All Men um, but any of that sort of stuff like that sort of existentialist like. Like the bad guy almost represents like the 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 evil in humanity, or like the the shifting in in what's considered evil and how things like that movie has such a really good like No Country for Old Men specifically does such a good job of yeah. um, depicting like the shift in like crime around the eighties, like you know when or the seventies and eighties is when things started getting more violent and there's less respect amongst mm-hmm. criminals and it was became more like a bloodbath and and the poor cop played by Tommy Lee Jones who's just trying to make sense of all this insanity <laughs> and you know cigar who basically represents uh like death or change or some combination of the two and uh this sort of complete almost inhuman uh quality to him that's but there's almost like but there's a like a code a weird code and like, i don't know it's just i could talk about it all day it's so good it's fantastic we could do another yeah. podcast what's your favorite movie david oh <sighs> Okay, well, same criteria you used, I guess. Yeah, we got it for you. Yeah. Um, I guess for... I guess for the one that makes me feel, mm-hmm. I guess. Have you ever seen... <laughs> feel. It's a, feel. I've seen this one. A, a, I don't know. I just This movie's relaxing to me. Uh-huh. And I just like I've seen it probably like a hundred times. Have you ever seen Medicine Man starring Sean Connery and uh, Lorraine Bracco? I have not, but that I've never heard. Oh, I got to watch it now. So uh, I have to. It's my favorite Sean Connery movie. Really? Uh, and he's Even in a lot of great so movies. More so than League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> well, <laughs> I forgot about that one, but yeah, I, I mean, know. I just see him as his character in that one. I forgot it was even Sean Connery. I mean, yeah, that movie was movie. so bad. Um, but no, no, I have not seen that movie. I love Connery as well. Um, okay. actually, it's so funny Medicine, think, yeah. Medicine Man, yeah, no, can go ahead. Sorry. Oh, when I think of Sean Connery, I often bring up a little known, it's like his first movie that he did for Disney back in the 70s. It was called Daniel oh. Gill and the Little People. 
and hardly anyone's ever heard of that movie but i watched it a lot growing up so it's on the wonderful world of disney all the time yeah we had it taped off the tv on a videotape yeah it's a good one and it was a fairly i really want i think it's on disney plus i really want to watch it again because if i recall correctly it was fairly disturbing like i remember like there's the old man was supposed to be taken away by death at the end and there's like a he like fiddles a lot right yeah yes he does and he's always hanging out with the the leprechaun king brian Mm. which is a great name for leprechaun king um (laughs) this is brian this is my this is my mythical friend his name is george you know like it's just such i mean it's irish so i mean oh brian brian whatever but it's just um yeah and it was it was an interesting movie um with like you don't see a lot of movies based around leprechauns so, like, in, in, in kind of a serious folklore sort of way, besides, like, the Warwick Davis horror movies, which, you know, are yeah. the thing. But, um, <laughs> no. yeah, so it's just... <laughs> but, I mean, I love The Untouchables, and, and his, his yeah. one was great. Like, anything... And Highlander, oh, yeah. of course. I mean, anything oh, yeah. that Connors sure. with The Rock. I do subscribe yep. to the theory that his character in The Rock is, in fact, James Bond. I think I, I totally subscribe agree. to that as well. Yeah, I do. As, as little as I like it makes Michael the movie Bay, so much better for me. It does. It totally does. It mm. makes it makes it okay for me to like a Michael Bay movie. That's what we call headcanon here on uh, Locutors of Trek. Ooh. We're always adding things from Star Trek we like that aren't official hit. Uh, I like that. I like that. I have to remember yeah. that. It's a good phrase. So, uh, and I guess I'd have to pick another one. Probably Blues Brothers. I love that movie. If, like, uh, I just I, watched I like that for the comedy. first time about a year ago. Really? Yes. It must have. Been I, I saw this. I saw the second one when I was like when it came out, but I never saw the original one until recently. It's great, fantastic movie. And he's my favorite the, Dan Aykroyd. He's just everything. Uh, he's a, he's a straight man, which is rare for him, funny. though. You know, but it's so funny. He's just like we're on a mission from God. He's just so like <laughs> serious about that. It's like we're putting the band back together. I think one of my favorite scenes in cinematic history is when uh, Carrie Lee Fisher or Carrie Fisher catches up to them, and and he's groveling, oh. and and every excuse in the book he possibly can pull out as to why he never came back to her, he pulls out and, and warms her heart yet again. But it's just so, it's so, it's just, I mean, Belushi was an icon for a reason. He's fantastic. And, uh, Doesn't that really, scene end with him kissing her and dropping her in the mud? He just dropped her and running. He's just leaving her behind again. <laughs> or that when she blows up the building and they all come out of the rubble and it's just like nothing happened. They dust themselves off and get in their car and drive off. <laughs> They're on a mission from God. It's That's such a right. Good the stuff with the nun is fantastic too. And she's like, oh, the yeah. doors are closing. and Yeah, exactly. Knocks him down the staircase. Yeah, it's so good. But his music's really good at it, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But why don't you tell us about this? Ah, uh, yes. I'm a fan. Been... Yes, I'm you are. You're one of my yeah. local fans on social media, which is nice to see. Uh, <laughs> to know people out there and listening and enjoying it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's called the Graphic History Graphic. Podcast. It was my um, COVID project, I guess, when COVID started. It was something I was wanting to do for a while. And then when I was on lockdown, I said, well, you know, no time like the present. Initially, I thought it'd be fun to do a show where I just go, because like, all these characters are popping up in movies now mm-hmm. that, you know, have deep and long comic book histories. So the initial core concept was, well, I'll just explain the entire comic book history of these characters that are popping up in movies, which was fun. Um, but, you know, as time went on, I started doing, actually, not even that time went on. I think it was the second episode. I did an interview episode where I had uh, Ed Burson on. He's a comic writer, lives in Halifax. And then I, I kind of realized that I really much more enjoyed the interview portion of it. And like, it was almost a slog to come up to, to pile through mountains of continuity, which is fun. And I do enjoy it. But I feel like as far as I felt like my talents are better used, like talking to people and doing this sort of thing. So I kind of shelved the comic book history side of it and just stuck with the interviews only. So now it's a biweekly show and hopefully I'll be busy enough 
that I can make it a weekly show or maybe even a, a twice a week show. But um, yeah, I've always been a big fan of like Mark Marin's podcast, WTF. Mm. And um, I kind of like the idea of taking that format, shifting a little bit and focusing on like nerdy comic book. At first it was mm-hmm. comic books, but it's sort of anything that's in the nerd culture, you know, actors, uh, you know, special effects. I had Mark on the show, special effects artists, people that do podcasts themselves, uh, writers, artists, anything like that. I, I recently had some Canadian, uh, a bunch of Canadian people on it, um, which is cool. So in an upcoming episode that just came on, I had Jack Briglio and uh, the next episode is Jay Torres who did um, quite a few, does quite a few comics uh, and worked for quite a few of the big companies. So, and it's a uh, Canadian guy with a lot of some interesting stories. He has a, he has an interesting connection to Drake, which is, which is fun to talk about. So he works so on you the graphic. The... Oops, sorry, go ahead. You scrapped the, the comic stuff entirely and you're just doing interviews entirely on that. Show. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of thought, well, you know, like, and also I would find on social media, I hit like a YouTube ad for like screen rant or one of those sites that are like find out everything you need to know about hawkeye and you know like whoever the villain is in the new hawkeye show that came out today you know in like 10 minutes and i'm like well these guys you know and they have this great production of it with with all this stuff and i'm like add me just kind of making some jokes through continuity for half an hour i don't know can can really compete with this sort of thing so i figured i'd just you know focus on the interviews I'm trying to channel you right now because you're like a fine interviewer, and oh, this, thanks, is, this is my first go at it. So I'm uh, yeah, to I can channel talk my a lot. Andre Mayet right now. Yeah, you could be me. Sure, go for it. Speaking of Mark, he made those beautiful gremlins you have in the background there, didn't he? Uh, actually, no, he made. Oh, didn't uh, he? Those ones are NECA models. Um, uh, I don't know if I can do this without screwing everything. Oh, up. he made you a gremlin though, right? He did this yeah. one. Oh, oh. Yeah, that one's from a model kit from I think it was Taiwan or something. And he, uh, yeah. this is uh, Spike from Gremlins too. Uh, the other two, the other ones are NECA replicas of the puppets that were used uh, in the filming of the show of the movies themselves. There's the the flasher one from one, and uh, there's a regular Gremlin and uh, Stripe, and you can uh-huh. see his, his white mohawk is there. Also, the I have some Mogwais back there too. There's Stripe when he's a Mogwai and uh, and Gizmo. Gotta have a giz. You gotta have a gizmo. You got it. He's raped by Baby Yoda. You can kind of make a Baby Yoda back there. So, <laughs> so whatever. We have a bit of a Herculean task ahead of us. We do indeed. We're going to try to review these nine stories from fifteen comic books from Paramount Marvel from nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah. Yes, I was very impressed that it was a Marvel book. I forgot because I remember. There's an imprint called Malibu that did a lot of these Star Trek comics back then. Yeah. And uh, I thought they were Malibu books until I was reading them and uh, I was reading the PDFs and then came across all the ads that I remember distinctly from Marvel Comics in that time period. Most of the ones I have are Malibu for sure, which I will say, uh, opening thoughts, I guess, here. Oh, first, did, did you like it? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah. Um, I was surprised how much it reminded me of like lost episodes of the show. You know what I mean? Like I felt like I was kind of watching the show still because I rewatched it maybe four years ago. I watched all of Deep Space Nine again. So it is my favorite Star Trek show. So quite a few. I mean, obviously they fall into some of the pitfalls that comics do where you have to hit certain idioms or or do things a certain way. But yeah, like the vibe felt very like the world, the lived in world of Deep Space Nine. So yeah, I did enjoy them. Bit of increased the action just so you can get those shots and things. It's a comic yeah. book. Yeah, there's some stuff, and we'll get to it, I guess, when we go through each issue. But yeah. There's some stuff in it that I was like, well, this would have been cool if they actually had shown me this live. So, so well, that brings us to my rating system here that I've co- mm. kind of come up with. Um, 
So we have A would have made a great episode of the show. B would have made a good B plot for an episode of the show. C good good story for a comic. Or F crashed instead of landed. Oh, that <laughs> word was supposed to be of, but it says on. So crashed instead on landed. Crash unlanded. Yeah, or crash when it landed. So, that makes sense. Uh, so that's how we're gonna point. go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, like you were saying though, it felt kind of like the show. And I, hmm. it's I have some other DS9 and some TNG comics and stuff too. And, and to me, this one felt the most kind of true to character and true to the feel of the show. And I was wondering if that has something to do with the Paramount logo on it. If they had more involvement yeah. in the creation of this particular comic, I don't know. But it, I wonder because I wouldn't they, be surprised. They... No, and Star Trek, like, I mean, Roddenberry was, I think, gone at this point, but Star Trek was always sort of very heavily guarded in it. Like, they they, they always had people that were kind of monitoring the continuity, making sure things worked within everything they'd set up, especially between Deep Space Nine and some of the the fibers from Next Generation that they weaved into it and kind of wrapped up, like, the storylines with, um, oh, God, I'm blanking on them, the crazy-eyed Cleon. Um, that oh, was God. the... Galron, yes. And uh, of course, how could I forget Galron? Um, you know, and the Cardassians and Bajor and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, even elevating the Ferengis and kind of making some reference to how they used to be back in the next generation. Um, so that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I wonder, because uh, they always were very careful to to keep their brand the way it was. And I know Deep Space Nine itself was mm-hmm. quite, a, quite a departure from what they'd done. I know Roddenberry never wanted there to depict war in a Star Trek show. Uh, and it's like after he died, the floodgates were open, and they're like, "Let's do it now." He's gone, you know. Um, yeah, but, and he didn't want interpersonal conflict even between the crew. That's yeah, which so essential it, for storytelling. Yeah, it's kind of strange how you think. Like, I mean, look at the original show; it's great, but but all the drama really comes from wherever they go. Like each planet has its own drama built in stuff. But I mean, there was like Spock and and McCoy are always at each other's throats, kind of not really throats per se. One was more at the other throat than the other, but. You know, there were a bit of that, but the fact that you would want to do shows that would last seasons and seasons with, you know, not really any arguments or love triangles or anything between the cast, like, kind of nuts. Like, imagine, like, just going into a, a boardroom or with any kind of artistic type people and being like, we're going to do a show. They're going to, it's people that work in an office. It's like the office. And it's really just going to focus on the paper. We're not going to talk about the relationships or, you know, or any, there's not going to be any love triangles and no one really likes anybody. Uh, in that sort of way, they just have a real professional relationship, <laughs> keeping it all above board. That's that's what we're doing. But the counselor should have three boobs, I think. Yes, of course. Well, we need that, of course. Yeah, for storytelling. For story, yeah. I mean, we got to give him something. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. look, yeah, this is yeah, the candy people that we're going to work with. Yeah, turn this into a story. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so let's go. Get into it then, shall we? So, mm-hmm. story one, which is issues one and two. So we've got, got here mm-hmm. issue you one. All the individual issues because I read them through the PDF. Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. Nice, excellent. Yeah. Very nice. So, um, it's kind of why I wanted to review them. Just like, yeah, they're great. Make yeah, use no, of everything around. That's Star Trek. <laughs> oh, <of laughs> I have course. segments about you... hero clicks because I have Star Trek hero clicks. So it's like whatever Star Trek there is. Let's make Perfect. a segment out of it. Um, all right. So I'll try a review here and try to yada yada if I get too long winded here. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, jump in whenever you want. Of course. Okay. So Judgment Day, part one. 
Cisco, Worf, and Bashir returning from medical mission. The Jem'Hadar chasing unknown aliens through the wormhole, who turn out to be an aquatic-looking species called the Amaralin. An energy field follows them out of the wormhole and kind of persists once they're through. DS9 tries to help the Amaralin. DS9 gets pulled towards the wormhole from this energy force. And they try to use the same trick Chief used in the first episode of DS9 when he moved the station. Nice back, yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, to stop them from going towards the wormhole and from stopping them from falling apart, basically. Um, but Joran start freaking out because the station isn't there to protect Bajor. Because it's moving away from Bajor. Mm. Um, the Amaral first officer wants to talk to Cisco, And... So they set up a meeting. The station is in one piece, more or less, but on life support. And they are now on the other side of the wormhole. That's pretty much the first issue. It was all... Uh, was Cisco not on the on the ship at the time? Was he there? Or am I getting that confused with them, the other storylines? I thought ship. they were off on the Defiant. On the ship. Yeah, Cisco was... Yeah, see, yeah, they were returning from a medical mission. So Right, because when they get back, back, the ship is gone. Or the, the DS9 is gone, because it's gone through yeah. the wormhole. Yeah, exactly. So they're caught on the opposite sides of the wormhole. That's a big uh, story point for sure. Yes. Well. I love the idea that like the station is the one thing that's just holding the Cardassians at bay. Or, or, like, like it's just like the one thing in the door and the second it's gone, it's like mice, they'll just kind of scour in. Yeah. Um, one thing I thought was interesting in this uh, was, so I believe, I mean, this comes in the second issue, but the mm-hmm. they named the thing the Firewind, I think, the energy. Yeah, Firewind. Which never shows up again in the series. It's it's really like no. tease that it's some big thing that's going to come back or play into the series again, but they never, I guess, never got around to it. Um, the only thing I thought about that is they mentioned that it could be like a manifestation of some other sort of energy source. So I was just wondering if like maybe it was some sort of manifestation of the Pa Wraith or something mm, like that. Potentially, that's very possible because that did play into things later. Um, the, so the uh, the the aliens they encounter have they never been in Star Trek before? Were they an original race created for this? Unless it's in an obscure episode of the animated seventies uh, animated series, uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Which is I'm, I'm interesting. Little, they brought I'm a that little in. less familiar from of that series, but the the one thing I find uh, fun about uh, this this particular issue, the, oh, quite a few things. Like I mentioned earlier, some things I see in the series that I was like, man, that would have been cool to kind of see in, in real life, um, was when they're trying to struggle to not go through the wormhole. Uh, one of the pylons just breaks off. And yeah. It's just like floating away in space. And like, that's a cool visual. Because like, the, the, the station's always been in a lot of trouble before, but I don't remember seeing that in it. Maybe it did happen, but if it did, I don't remember seeing it visually in the, in the series. Oh, I don't think it did. I don't no. think so either, too. It's, you know, no. it's, it's especially after like the Cardassians took it back in season, what, six or yeah. seven at the end. So, um, you know, the not sh- like showing it breaking apart was actually pretty cool, and the, and the fact they've never done that in the live action show I thought was interesting because it was a very comic movie. book visual, but would have been great on the show. Yeah, for sure. And just um, the idea of like as it says, is DS Nine being sucked through the wormhole? That's an interesting concept that could have been also entered into something the show. They never did in the yeah. show either, right? You mm. think that would play into it a little bit? Um, could, you know, a fleet of Gemini waiting for them on the other side. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah, it's well, they always like it was sort of innocuous on the show as to how exactly the wormhole, like when he came out the other side in the Gamma Quadrant, like, uh, or is it Delta Quadrant? Sorry, Delta Quadrant. You like Gamma? Gamma. Sorry, yeah. I'm getting mixed yeah. up with Voyager. Um, Gamma yeah. Quadrant. So you would uh, like 
because sometimes they just pass through it and there'd be no trouble. Sometimes they'd pass through it and there'd be stuff waiting on the other side. It was always sort of like, like what, what was the area outside of the other side? Like, um, it was, that was never really yeah. fleshed out. They explore um, a couple of the planets there. Like they left Kai Opaka on that one planet that I think is right. pretty close to the, the wormhole exit. But, uh, all right. Anything else before I move on to issue two here? Uh, one thing I do like about comic book tropes is, uh, and it's the same sort of thing that happens in in uh, kids shows, uh, specifically the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, is every time <laughs> there's some kind of a giant battle, like uh, yeah. on DS9, things are blowing up, things are caving in, people are like, it, the holes are ripping open in the station that are getting closed, and every once in a while they'll just cut to like Odo or someone being like, thank God we got everybody out of that section, or like, Thank, thank you know oh good good thing those shields kicked in like they they constantly made a point of noting that no one died even though, like the same with power rangers you like they're knocking through six buildings per fight i don't know how angel grove is still standing but at the end of every episode <laughs> you see some news report where like just in the background where someone's like thankfully there those buildings were evacuated before you know or whatever it's like they just have to remind you that no one dies you get too grim if you think about the level of destruction that would have actually occurred if this really oh, happened yeah. so i just got a huge kick out of that yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure they do specifically mention that like, they got everyone out of that pile. Several right? times, yeah. Odo yeah. mentions it a couple times, and I, I just think it's funny that they need to just remind us that no one died. Like, it really matters. Like, if some <laughs> not nameless people died, like, how would we know? It's like, you know, oh, this, you know, uh, yeah. janitor number two died. It's like, not janitor number two. You can't kill well, a comic. Thing of, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing about these comics, too, is they do try to seem to try not to step on the toes of the show. Yes, they tread There's a very a fine things. line. Or like at the end of the comic, they just kind of tie it up neatly for, yes. for the show. You know? Every every fine. comic from that time period, like the X-Files comics, any of those, they always just tell a, a story in the world and uh, and don't don't make any big waves because, you know, you have to answer to the masters at the, at the film studio. But this series has quite a few nods and things that kind of could carry forward. So it does have a lot of interesting uh, things. Yeah, you can uh, tell they're fans of the show for sure. So yeah. Not just journeyman writers, people that actually watch it. Yeah. Judgment Day Part 2. DS9 is missing a pylon, as we've discussed, and Chief is doing repairs. I don't know how you repair a missing pylon, but, you know. <laughs> Carefully. <laughs> like only the Chief can. Yes. Roll up your sleeves. He always has his sleeves rolled up. That's right. Kira, Dax, and Odo are trying to figure out what's going on. The Amaralyn tells Cisco about the Firewind, an ancient god force that returns to wipe out evil. Mm. And Amaralan ship is threatening DS9. These Amaralans act as rebel, or they're like rebel subduers for the Jemadar. Mm. And they had to subdue some of their own people under orders from the Jemadar. And the Jemadar said they were insufficiently harsh, even though they felt they were being completely merciless and felt bad. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they were going to be punished by the Jemadar. So they, they're fleeing essentially instead mm. of continuing on with the Dominion, which is pretty crazy we didn't hear a lot about that kind of stuff yeah it's an interesting take on that because you didn't really hear a lot about the other races that were involved with the dominions mostly just the and the the, the founders but for sure they would do that just Mm -hmm. uh the the way uh way you and the vorta and those guys but yeah yeah. (laughs) all seven of them yeah, that's true. Jeffrey Coombs is <laughs> Jeffrey Coombs is still the man. Reanimator oh, yeah. time, one of my favorite movies. So, oh yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. Good movie. Um, they, but these um, rebels fear their god forces more than they fear the founders. They made that very clear. So they're very afraid of this fire wind. 
Um, Kira is negotiating with the Amaralan commander, and Kira offers to let him inspect DS9 because they think DS9 is a giant super weapon because it kind of looks like a giant super weapon. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, it's like yeah. more intimidating than the Death Star. It looks like it's got to focus energy at the top of the pylon. I know, and they never fire. really do that. They shoot out of the pylon sometimes, but the idea that they never yeah. really did some focus in the center always bothered me because it looks so much like it should. You know, <laughs> I guess they're docking point. <laughs> Ports I guess, up there, but, but it just, I don't know, still, it doesn't like it should. They're still pretty cool torpedo launchers, I guess, those pylons, but, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're going to let the guy come on and inspect um, DS9, but they want Odo as a hostage to right. make sure there's, everyone gets the people back. And they think they need a founder. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. They don't say that part, but that's totally. Yes, that comes up later. <laughs> <laughs> and they put Odo behind a force field. And he just refuses to talk to them. Um, so the radiation levels are too high in the wormhole because of the fire wind. And that's why the Defiance stuck on the other side, mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, yeah. but they're they're going to go for it anyway. They're just like, because Worf came up with this new uh, temporary shield boost. I was going to mention that. Uh, yeah. Who, how does Worf do that? Like, like why is Worf the one who happens to know what, like, he was the security <laughs> officer, wasn't he? Like, he's like, all right, I got this, this, this great technological shield boost. That's like, I guess it's like, like, uh, he like knows weapons, the, I guess, and shields because of security it, all those years. But, but it kind of felt a, a little point. bit like, uh, the, um, a goodwill hunting, you know, when the janitor just turns out to be a super genius and just, you know, knows everything. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's just Warf's like, oh yeah, I've been Warf working no on this shields. shield boost and this will get us through. It's like, why does Warf know this? Good thing Warf's great at shields. <laughs> yeah. He's well known for, yeah, oh, crazy old shield Warf. He's always doing stuff. <laughs> old shieldy Warf, they call shieldy him. Yeah, Warf, shielding the duck. Actually, I think he's strategic operations officer on the, uh, Right, I guess you security on, yeah. the, on the on the Enterprise, yeah. but it, I just it never at no point in the series <laughs> do you ever see anything that would indicate that this is what he like that he would be the expert in this, which I find I just found very uh, seemed off brand to have Worf being like, oh yeah, here I'll, I've been working on the shield thing. I guess Chief wasn't on the boat with them, or was he? No, he's no, he not. Was, he's, he's on. He's repairing the he's repairing the pylon. He's repairing that missing pylon. <laughs> <laughs> Making out a silly putty or something and stick back. Oh up. yeah, but a little added drama. They have patients, like uh, that are dying on the right, right, right from the from yeah, the that... fire the fire uh, wind wind attack earlier. Oh yeah, or or from where they were coming from at the start. I mean, oh, the actually. the, the other way yeah, back yeah, from yeah, a, yeah, sorry. yeah, and yes, and yes. they're. And those uh, patients are dying, so they need to get to Deep Space Nine for their facilities. Right. So a little extra drama there, and that's why they're forcing their way through with Worf's uh, shield thing. Right. Funny thing is, though, it still takes them two tries. Like They get yes. quite a ways in there, and he's just like, ah, turn back. But then it doesn't explain why it worked the second time. No, like, no. And it also seems like kind of the stuff that you put in the show to pad out the running time. You know, like, ah, we got halfway there, we had to go back, and then we fixed it and came back. It's like, why well, do you need to do that? Why do you just say we got it there the first time? It seems old odd that nothing Worf. came of it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> we gave too much credit to old Shieldy Wharf. Guess so. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, two Hegemidar fighters uh, will get, so they get they do get through, and two Hegemidar fighters are speeding towards DS9 as well, and they're going to get there before the Defiant. So, oh, that's right. Well, okay, oh, I skipped over a, a part here for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, the whole thing with the um, Odo? Yeah, so... Yeah. yeah, well, Dax and Kira are playing baseball, and Dax has a plan. 
to use uh, a, the carrot with the expendable amaralin. See, that's what's happened here. They they send over the inspector. Then once he does the inspection, and gets back to the captain. There's like, cool, we don't care about you. We're keeping Odo and they can do whatever they want with you. Yeah. So, yeah, I forgot about that guy. These amaralins like are the, kind of the- jerks. It's, it's like the trope in all of those where they're like, you know, they send over a nobody that they're like, all right, you guys can kill this guy. We don't care. And then that guy ends up being very useful and helping our guys like, you know, go for it. When yeah. He's like, oh, what? They're going to oh, yeah. just throw me away. Well, I'll screw them. I'll help you now. And then it works out in their favor. Like happens every time. The bad guys always shoot themselves <laughs> in the foot. And, and the, I had a question about the baseball. Well, they're bad guys. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The baseball thing. So if I recall correctly. Um, they didn't really like Kira's like throwing, throwing, like hitting, hitting really good balls. And like, and dad's yeah. like, Oh, I see Cisco is teaching us and stuff. If I recall correctly, when they had the baseball episode of DS9, when they played the Vulcans, Kira was she terrible sucked. and didn't really know anything about baseball. Um, and also that, that took place after Jedzia had died and there was Ezri deck. So like that was the timeline That's didn't really true. line up for that, which I thought was interesting. If I get my no That's prize tomorrow. Kira wasn't the worst on the team. And no, I don't know that we... Yeah, no, she was bad. She was bad. I don't remember... But she wasn't, if, you know, Dax was pitching against her in this scene and not the Vulcans. Maybe that Right, and I don't like remember that. if they'd recall that she had played before at all, but I just remember her not having any experience, really, with baseball. In yeah, no, that's... So. Yeah, okay, that's a good one. That's a good maybe, catch. Maybe, but... Maybe. It's like out to me anyways, <laughs> being odd. So, back on uh, the Amaralyn ship with Odo, there's a mutiny. Because yes. this uh, expendable inspector has friends, yeah. and that's why they do the mutiny. They're like, you can't yeah. just make us expendable, which I thought was great, actually. That was a nice moment. It's like yeah. they did the worst possible thing they could have done. You know what I mean? Yeah. They sent off the guy yeah. that everybody loves as expendable. All his <laughs> friends team up, mutiny the ship. The guy they sent off helps the other guys to to get back at them and just totally obliterates them. That's um, why he sent him, because he was too liked, and it made the captain annoyed. <laughs> yeah. He's jealous. Yeah, actually, yeah, a little really, friendly yeah. guy here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, happy-go-lucky over there. We don't want that guy getting too much power. Let's let's send him over to the uh, to the the weapon. Um, one thing <laughs> I thought was interesting about this is how okay Odo is with all this murder happening around him, because <laughs> it's like people getting shot left and right and just dead. And Odo's True. like, all right, <laughs> yeah, he just he just stepping over them and just like because Star Trek's always made a you know a pretty big point of like you know trying to to do the greater good. Or spare life if you can. Even when people get killed, it's usually by their own hand or their own mistake. It's rare that like an officer, or unless they're Cleons, um, you know, just murder somebody and that's it. So, well, uh, yeah, I he's that not Starfleet as he says. All that the is time. true. He does bring that up constantly. And <laughs> he just likes order, <laughs> which I guess with the less people, if half of them are murdered, that's more in a more orderly environment. It's according very, to Odo, very Thanos uh, way. To look at it. <laughs> Odo's a little bit Thanos, isn't little he? Thanos. Odo and Thanos, same guy. It's the same guy. He's yeah. a shapeshifter. He just became Thanos. <laughs> There's some headcanon for you. Boom. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm adding that one in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like yeah. it. Odo yeah, snaps of the universe. Trek. Yeah, go and go over and just fold over to each other. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, they let Odo out and uh, they agree to help Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Space Nine. So they go over to Deep Space Nine, and Odo just acts like it was his plan all along, and that's why he's <laughs> free and everything. He's just like, "Yeah, oh, I knew it. Like I said all along, I'll go over there, and it'll be fine." And all because of all because of me. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like, oh, it was the glue. Just a freak mutiny. He's still the glue. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So there's a, like a ship overloading. Um. Because um. Oh, one of the saboteurs. Uh, was it? How was it? Yeah, there's a ship overloading in uh in this in the station because they had a sabot yeah they had a saboteur one of the Amaralans on board, because mm -hmm. um, one of the crew of the supposedly mutineers was just playing both sides like the whole time. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty complicated and, stuff going on for this first it, arc to introduce you to these Star Trek comics stuff. It's true. It's why it yeah. kind of felt more like a TV episode than a comic yeah. book almost. So. The, the Jem'Hadar fighters are speeding towards ZS9, and Dax has a plan to use the overloading ship to take out the Jem'Hadar fighters. It works. That's big, big explosions. And, Which uh, also was another seemed off brand to me that they lure the Jem'Hadar into a trap, don't give them any chance to really survive, and just blow them up. Like I get that it's wartime, and maybe I guess that that's why things are forgivable. But um, I guess so. It I does mean, seem do odd that they don't give them any warning. They literally lure them in with a trap and then blow them up. True. Yeah. Because <laughs> they yeah, they War had like crimes. some signal. Yes. On yeah. the, the, the shuttle, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They basically and then, like uh, mine sent them into and then blew up in front of them. <laughs> so then the Define gets there, and that's the end of the episode pretty well. It's just Cisco and Dax pondering what the fire wind is at the end. Yes, with some some gentle inference that it will be back someday or that it might return. Mm. Uh, never never to Make, return. Which is what gave me the Paul Ray's vibes. Yeah, I could see that, but I I don't think the writer said that in mind. I feel as though they, no, they probably if that series had continued beyond episode issue fifteen, it probably would have came back eventually. But so that's the first story, Judgment Day. Yeah, how what, what, how would you grade that one? So B is a is B yeah B is a, a B plot right? A is a B good plot. episode. Yeah, C is fine comic and b is yep. garbage um and f is f it's an f but oh f, that's right. fine yeah <laughs> go, maybe go, d's go. nicer <laughs> yeah i know i know i know i know the drop off went from like an okay comic to just garbage <laughs> it's like there's nothing it's, well i figured there was like three categories of it's good and yeah. it wasn't good that's fair it's not good it's mm -hmm. not good um i'd say it'd be a good episode of the show for sure um it's it's definitely one of those big episodes where like there's not a lot of character building but just a lot of things mm. going on to kind of advance the war with the dominion um so yeah i give it an a i'd say it's it's, it's a solid a i don't think it could be I a b plot it... because there's too much going on for it's it to you know big. i don't know what else would be happening that you, what was the a plot on top of all of this stuff well as far as the b grade i was mm. uh a little more nuanced to that i was thinking too because some of these are too big for a B plot, but say you enjoyed one element of a story and not so mm -hmm. much the other, then it could be That's a right. B. So like I would I take see. the part I like to make that a B plot, and discard the rest type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, if we're following that criteria, I'd say B. Then. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I would go with B. But what would you uh, just get rid of the whole defiant being on the other side thing and just kind of have it a? Well, I like that. I think some of the just, I mean, like any any kind of the fire wind kind of stuff. And... Yeah, like that was interesting too. The idea that there's, I mean, the series does go into a lot of stuff with the the wormhole aliens, the prophets, and uh, and the paw race, and it did feel like kind of like that. It seems odd to throw another cosmic god thing that's, uh, you know, seems to be a force of nature more than actual thinking thing. I mean, it kind of is, but it's not. So yeah, I think it it might muddy it to introduce that into the the core story. Um, but as far as like the pulling it through the wormhole, like that was interesting enough that I think it would mm -hmm. be cool to see on a show. 
I gave it an A, mm -hmm. but it was also the first one I graded. And I mm -hmm. think you convinced me there. And I, <laughs> I think I'm going to actually change that to a B. Because I agree, right. they didn't need the fire wind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, introducing this new race of aliens is interesting, but they didn't really add much of a dynamic to it. Like, it's not like there's mm. some new way to look at the Dominion that wasn't there before. It's just another Dominion race that, you know, they seem okay because some of them defected in and they were nice people. Um, mm -hmm. but you know, the Jem'Hadar did that too. So, you know, it's not necessarily a unique idea either. Yeah. Like I would, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought maybe like the station being sucks, the wormhole might be too big for a B plot, but you could make that work and it didn't need to be as heavy with filler as it kind of was. Yeah. Well, um, you know, they got to fill 22 ish pages. That's true. Oh, yeah. Story two. This the is cancer the, within. The pandemic one. <laughs> yeah. I thought a lot of parallels to, uh, to, to COVID this that I'm going to make fun of as we go along, but you feel free That's to give us perfectly it. fine. Fire those out whenever necessary. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, Elicit is missing Starfleet shuttle comes out of the Badlands. So, with most missing for Starfleet vessels, they assume it's the Maquis. Or at least Kira does, of course. They detect six biosignatures, but only two life signs. And indeed, there are dead aboard. Wechdoj, Worf says, which means death ship. And just then, them and Kira and another officer are infected by the mysterious plague. The two survivors are covered in sores and begging for help and sent to quarantine. The plague is spreading around the station, and Julian suspects it is genetically engineered. But one Bajoran officer seemed to be immune to the whole thing, and he noticed that it only seemed to affect um, humans and Bajorans. But so it didn't get Worf. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, in the Badlands, there is a group of Maquis tampering with a virus to make it work only on Cardassians so they can force them off their worlds. But it mutated and infected their entire colony. And here we have a, a, a big cameo. Dr. Pulaski is there. Mm -hmm. Which I wanted to ask you about, because I didn't watch The Next yeah. Generation that much. Oh, um, So okay. I'm assuming that's where she's from. She's, um, she replaced Dr. Crusher for an entire season. Oh, season. okay. Okay. I did watch like scattered stuff here and there, but I don't have as, as well a uh, grasp on the entirety of it as I mm -hmm. do of The Next Generation, or of Deep Space Nine, so. All right. She, that, she, is a big, like, that is a big cameo. Yeah, she was yeah. like Lady Bones. She basically was the same personality as Bones. Oh, so I have to watch this, but maybe a little meaner. I don't know. She was oh, kind of I, I like a meaner lady. Condescending. Bones. Yeah. I'm down for that. Yeah. yeah. So she's there, and her daughter is working with the Maquis. Um, so that's why she's there. She's trying to cure the people, but also get her daughter out of this situation. Mm -hmm. um, so Maquis aboard DS Nine blow up the the that shuttle, which knocks out DS Nine's. External power coupling. The power loss is creating potentially fatal problems in the infirmary because there's there's people dying of this plague all over the place now. It's spreading through the ship. Uh, Worf and Odo are looking for the Maquis saboteurs, and that's funny because they find them and then they kick the crap. Yeah, over I them. Know, you yeah. do not see in the show. Both Worf and Odo are not. It's like a two-page like fight where they just like beat the living hell out of them. Like it, it's it's <laughs> impressive. It, it's it's where like these sort of things have to match. They have to fit comic book stuff. 
So it's yeah. like we need to have a fight. It needs to be this big, you know, thing to keep people interested. So we just have this two-page fight where Odo War beat the holy hell. And like it's not, it's not even like the normal, like you know, the double axe no. kind of hit. They're they're like karate chopped in the throat and beating the living hell out of everybody. Chops that one guy in the throat and blood goes flying everywhere. <laughs> and, and it's crazy. But it's a crazy scene. They're both so happy with themselves and like enjoying their little team up. They're like, yeah. we'll never get away with this if like anybody else but maybe <laughs> yeah. Kira was here. Nobody's watching. We can kill, we can kill these guys. So turn your body cam so, off. Let's do this. <laughs> so that was a bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um Chief does some engineering heroics on a spacewalk with him and his repair crew, but it kind of goes wrong and he has to save save their lives with a really uh O'Brien. Yeah, I want to bring that up too. It was another one of those like yeah. we did it, then we didn't do it, and we had to go back inside, get new spacesuits, and then come out and do it again. It just seemed like extra padding that wasn't really necessary. Yeah, that one did. Um Worf interrogates the prisoners. And they're all like, we're not going to talk. Morph's just like, he, 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 he. Like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see here in about 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah, you're but, Starfleet. You can't torture people. Like, what, what's he going to do? You're not supposed to ne- bloody neck chop people either. Yeah, so that's Worf's true. That's true. having a he's, time. He's off safari. <laughs> so Pulaski finds out the truth and goes to contact Starfleet. But finds her daughter infected by the virus. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of that issue. Oh, which I didn't put it up. That was the second issue. The one of the... Uh, the conclusion yeah. of the last story. You know, Odo, Odo front and center in that one. Yep. And so now we have yes, a little Bashir yes. action there. So um, the part that killed me too, uh, I, I found in this, um, maybe it's, is it this one or is it the next series? I think it's the next series. Um, Yes, that's the name later. But this one had a very blue collar vibe, like let like you know all of the like the grunts that are like the 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 engineers and like the mechanics are like the ones that go into space to make the to make the save, and then like the 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 um the thing happens where they have to go back in and and get more air or whatever. They like do this slingshot maneuver to to survive when they think they're stranded. Then they go back out to finish the job, and there's even this big rallying cry where they're like, we're going to finish the job, and like a big, big caps as like the blue-collar workers come in to like really, really get it home, which I thought was very interesting, sort of. They're all, something... a... yeah, they're all yeah. attached by a rope and like going towards yeah. the Defiant, and it's like pretty epic. It kind of reminded me kind of... of those like old World War II propaganda things where it's like, you know, Rosie Riveter will get the job done sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah, 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 a little bit, which I thought was interesting. Bit of a Lower Decks feel if you know that episode of TNG or perhaps the show, the cartoon. Yes, I do know the cartoon. I've watched all of it. Yeah. They like to uh, highlight the grunts every now and then. That's true. I do like, because uh, the Justice League Unlimited did an episode like that where there's some big cosmic battle going on over here, and it's really just focusing on like Booster Gold and a couple other characters that are doing crowd, like saving civilians who find there's a B story that they stumble upon and save the world in their own way. Um, You know, Buffy did it too. Like it's, it's neat when they do those sort of shows where there's something massive going on over here. That's not really the focus. It's a smaller story. That's equally as important over there. Um, I did, I did love, there's a few COVID sort of uh, correlations to me that I thought was funny. There's even a line where someone says like, I, I'm doing my own research on this. <laughs> it's like, I think there's actually a line in there that says that, which made me laugh hysterically because I'm like, this comic came out, what, 98? Seven. Yeah. Seven. So I'm like, just the fact that they're like, you know, so far ahead of the curve on this, the guy the guy literally says something along the lines of, I'm doing my own research or, or um, yeah, no, like, I don't need these studies. Like, I, I've done my own research on the subject, which just made me laugh hysterically. Like, I was like, that's good. 
I heard on Facebook this thing doesn't even work on Maki. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, awful, <laughs> and I mean, it's funny because the conspiracy being accurate that there actually is a genetically modified virus that does target a certain type of person or is supposed to uh, yeah. does play kind of into all that sort of paranoia and insanity, um, which I thought was funny. <laughs> but that do I do my own research line killed me. I was like, that's that's hilarious. That is a great line. I can't believe I didn't. <laughs> yeah. The baby must have been distracting me at that. Oh, point. well, the babies will do that. Yeah. So that brings us to issue four, The Cancer Within, part two. Which Bashir wants to Jake, go to... Jake being oh. in, the, in the med bay. They're just like, yeah, oh, Jake's, Jake's got it now. They didn't mention it at all in the last episode. They just start this one and be like, Jake's super sick and might die. Yeah, Cisco's like, yeah. this really sucks. Jake's going <laughs> to die. <laughs> This, this really <laughs> this really bites, man. You know, <laughs> I but virus. Uh, Bashir wants to go to Pulaski because she did contact them and they got the message, but they can't prove that it was her. So Cisco's like, I don't know, like we don't even know if it was her, and we kind of need you here treating this plague. But he eventually agrees, and uh, Dax and Miles and Worf go with him. And they take a runabout into the Badlands, and they get attacked. But Miles does some fancy flying through an asteroid field to get away. So this is all about Miles. See, I like this because there's only two kinds of Miles episodes. There's like the O'Brien must suffer episodes, and then there's the uh, Miles is like can do anything, and he's like the best everyday guy. <laughs> uh, especially when they're like, we we need someone to infiltrate the Orion Syndicate. Who can we yeah. get? Let's get the mechanic from D Space. <laughs> he's yeah. the only one we can use. It's just like I get kicks out of those episodes. They're great episodes, but it's always like the 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 rationale is always really fun. Yeah, we talked about that on the podcast one time on Locutors of Trek. Listen to us where you get your podcast. <laughs> um, and we, the only thing we could figure is because he's a non-commissioned officer that maybe he's not on whatever lists of Starfleet officers that the Orions, I guess, whatever maybe had. Yeah, I guess but that makes sense. But he just got to. The only thing we could think of. I mean, yeah, they have gonna a be whole, a lot of others. They have a whole shadow, you know, Section Thirteen or whatever. They have a whole shadow yeah. group of of government Section agents. You can't yeah. use any of those guys. Like, <laughs> nope. Yeah, I know. Isn't that exactly William, what their William job William is? At Section Thirty One. Yeah, it's a whole job. Yeah, yeah. Sadler was busy. It's yeah. fine. He's good. He played it well. I liked his character slow. Yeah, I liked him too. Um. So. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, Dax is just like, well, too bad, Worf. Uh, Dabu Kaludi Yisuf, which means when threatened, fight. That's a Klingon phrase. Mm-hmm. They beam Pulaski aboard, and she has the scientists in stasis. N- oh, and then Admiral Necheyev shows up just to be Necheyev for like a page. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you remember her from TNG at all? She vaguely uh, shows up yeah. to hassle captains. She hassles yeah. Picard, she hassles Cisco, and that's all she does. She just she, like, like Cisco, like, do better. Bye. Yeah. Like, about. You need that. You need that hard ass chief. You know, the, yeah. from like a trope from old cop shows. You know, that's always banging oh, yeah, the desk, right. and demanding your badge, that's, turning that's your exactly gun. Who you she know, is. that's what she is. Yeah. That's, that's the, the role she serves. Oh, she does it so well too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the away team lands on the Maquis base and immediately end up in a big old fist fight. Yeah, but they subdue their attackers. They've got some good fighters among them, mostly just Worf and Kira. Yeah, no blood splurts this time. <laughs> or, or, or no, Worf and Dax, I guess it is. Yeah. Kira. Yeah. Um, the doctors try and find a cure. And uh, it, in the, which is interesting that they say, in the heart of the first germ warfare facility the Federation has seen in centuries. 
Yes. Yeah. So clearly, there's they haven't don't have to deal with this problem very often, which seems um, crazy to me. You know, yeah, me too. Hundreds of other, years. Yeah, yeah. The Romulans don't play with that. In yeah, like, yeah. Not I don't apparently know. not anywhere the, the the Federation has come across it. So mm, I thought that was that one stuck out to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, the Defiant streaks toward the Maquis base, but are intercepted by Maquis raiders using stolen Starfleet weapons. The Defiant fights through to the base. Pulaski does find a cure. And back at Deep Space Nine, Jake and Kira are dying. Uh, Pulaski inoculates her daughter and the scientists, and it seems to work. Um, communications yeah, between... super what? fast. That all came super yeah, fast. They're like... Did. Th- they're just like... Just like oh, there for 10 minutes files. and they're like, we got yeah. this. It's like this, this virus is... that wiped out everybody literally within 10 minutes. They're like, oh, we have the answer. Here it is. It's the cure. We're all good. Plasky good old genetically just, like, enhanced Julian. That's right. That's right. That's right. It seemed like Plasky <laughs> was kind of the one that pulled it out, though, which I thought was... Yeah, considering did. She was She'd been there working stuff. on it for quite a while. But. That's true. Um, communications between the Defiant and the base are jammed, but Cisco lets them know that they are out there because he just gets everything to fire at him. And they're like, what's yeah. all that firing? They're like, oh, Cisco must be here. <laughs> that's Makes pretty sense. funny. He's yeah. my favorite captain for that reason. Yeah, he's, my, yeah, he's mine too. Um, then the Maquis break down the door. And uh, is that the end? Uh, no, that's the end of the story. They they wrap up the virus and then they because the Mar- the Maquis get they escape them and they get back and then there's oh, some right. reference to the evil. There's like a shadow group that they reference. Yes, that's, right. That's pulling that's the right. strings to all these sort of things. And, it's a super uh, ominous scene at the end, yeah. Yeah, which is shadows. another comic trope where there are all these shadows. And then, the, and, and someone even says, uh, I wrote down this quote, nothing will stand in the way of the shadow group. Like, who talks like that? Even people in shadow groups don't talk like that. You don't stand around and be like, they'll never know what we pulled off in our secret shadow group. Like, uh, <laughs> it's just so funny. Like, it's, it's, it's another one of those comic tropes. It is a holdover from the '90s and the '80s and the '70s. It's it's like the '90s was sort of transition when they started getting into slightly more realistic. I mean, as realistic as you can get with superheroes and stuff, but slightly more realistic dialogue and that sort of stuff. And this is sort of right in the middle where it was you're getting lines like that that are just hilarious. The shadow. You're like, who's the shadowy group? And then they call themselves <laughs> yeah, the shadow exactly. group. <laughs> exactly. A little on the nose there. You, your shadow group might want to invest in a little bit of branding, maybe some, uh, maybe a, you know, a brand guideline. Maybe I like logo. to think that was an intentional joke. But... <laughs> I guess. Who's it on us? The reader? <laughs> I guess so. I guess. Oh, you idiots are reading this. Enjoy. So how would you grade this one? The cancer uh... within. A B, uh, yeah, B is like a B story. C is an okay comic, right? Um, mm. I guess C. I guess like I, I feel like they've done similar things to this on the show enough, enough that this wouldn't have really fit in, in a way to be have been anything really different. I mean, they do the comic series itself see, seems to focus on the Maquis a lot, a lot more than the mm-hmm. show did. That the Maquis are only you know scatteredly uh, throughout the D Space Nine. But and like it's it's a lot of this setting up the shadow group to be this you know overarching villain group that doesn't last very long. I think they're gone by issue yeah, seven. Well, the next something. issue is called the Shadow Group. Right, right. <laughs> is it six? Is, is it six? They're gone. I think it's six. It's, yeah, because yeah. five and six crossover. Right? Yeah, uh, no, five is standalone. Nope. They only last this next issue, I think. Right. 
But yeah, I also gave it a C for the same reasons you said, actually. They've done the plague thing better before with the episode The Quickening, which is a, a great yes. episode. Yeah. And they've also done the quarantine on the station thing before with in the first season with Babel, when they were all right. had that gibberish virus. So they've right. kind of done both of those ideas better. So I also gave it a C because it wasn't yeah. terrible. No, I wouldn't it's say it's the worst thing story. ever, just not super important. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to story three, shall we? See how we can work our way through here with some issue five some speed yeah. standalone issue yeah standalone issue the shadow group they return to the station just in time to see an explosion go off and the funny thing is all these comics they make it very clear is all like been happening within like a week because they keep yeah. referencing how everything's still messed up from the last issue on the defined specifically they keep saying that they don't yeah. have the shields fixed on the defined from what happened in issue one or you know yeah. they, they constantly bring it up just to like remind you that the this is all happening within a, a short span of time Basically the worst week in DS9 history. That's right. <laughs> um, so Zial is injured in the attack and the explosion. And she seems to be the only one that is injured. And the shadow group come in and they're chatting and basically just saying what they did. They're the whole Yeah, like, they're very they're villain. monologuing pretty hard. Yeah. They're like, we went after Zial on purpose to draw Ducat and wahaha. So <laughs> the shadow group is so funny. <laughs> Uh, they start an investigation on Deep Space Nine, and in the infirmary, Ziala has been stabilized as she is getting a blood transfusion from Garrick. When there is another attempt on her life, or possibly Garrick's, they're not sure, by armed assassins, just like ninjas come out of like everywhere. Yeah, they do look like ninjas, which I thought was yeah. odd. Yeah, very, very interesting specific. choice. Yes. Um, <laughs> so you know they're assassins. Yeah, well, that's how. I mean, uh, all ninjas are assassins. There's nothing. You need to be an assassin. You just wear. That's right. (laughs) You got to put bandages on them somewhere. Yeah. Um, Odo and security subdue them, and they overload. But they overload their weapons and seemingly commit suicide. And they're like, there was no beam out. They seem to have done that. Yes. Um, Rather than be captured or killed by Morphin Odo. (laughs) Seriously. Throat punching. That's right. Um. I'm not doing this. But, Just bite your suicide <laughs> pill and get out of here. <laughs> and this is interesting, this part, because there's evidence of three different parties possibly being responsible. Like, their Worf thinks maybe it's the Klingons because the weapons that were used were Klingon or the explosives. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrick thinks it's a former group of Obsidian Order agents. Of course. And Jakarta, um, um, uh, I believe, thinks it's a Bajoran terrorist group. Yeah, he says that they he's right. maybe Maquis. Yeah, <laughs> he's of, right. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the um, most right. Yeah. So Cisco splits the senior staff into teams to investigate all three at the same time. They all kind of split off and go to one goes to Cardassia, one goes to Bajor, and one stays on the station to investigate. Kira requests to take Garrick and Zial along with her and Odo down to Bajor. Um, and when they get down there, they're immediately ambushed. Not just stepping out of the the, the shuttle. Yeah, um, it is. They wasted no time. Shadow no, group but, is just standing there waiting. Uh, which even, repeats a few times in this run, where like as yeah. soon as you step off a shuttle, just you just. Well, surrounded. I guess they don't have a forty-minute runtime. They get twenty-two pages, so they gotta they yeah. gotta, they gotta speed her along. We gotta forgive that, I guess. Yeah. I uh, Cisco's team's headed to Cardassia to find a battle going on between Maquis and the Cardassian ships. Um, Cisco orders the Maquis ships to surrender and disables them. Maki ships go on auto-destruct, but Cisco and the Cardassians beam the Maki crew out in time, but they turn out to be uh, Cardassians working for the Shadow Group. Mm-hmm. An, an automated message from Kira's shuttle arrives to the station, indicating it's been destroyed. 
just then Dukat contacts them and they tell him what's going on. So he's super mad that they let Zial go down on this planet after almost being killed. Fair, fair ball. Yeah. Not that he really cares about anything. It's Dukat. Um, the, the shadow group reveals themselves to Kira and Odo's team, led by a former Bajoran uh, resistor, uh, that Kira knew named Zol, who was a re- like resistance cell leader. And he says he's helping the, the Obsidian Order destroy Cardassia. So he's like, he's helping Cardassians destroy other Cardassians. He's yeah. not working. They're kind of a bunch of, they're sort of like a group of <laughs> from either sides that are like, both hate their own worlds, I guess. Like it's, it's, it's a weird combination. Their, their, their motives are a just little bunch. Yeah. There. It's like, well, it's going to blow everything up. I mean, I guess they want to overthrow the Cardassian government maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Very marquee ish story. Mm, yeah. Without being Maquis somehow, they're a shadow group this way. Kira basically laughs at him and says, "Like they're gonna betray you, like any second now." Basically, he's mm-hmm. like, "You're so," she's like, "You're so dumb." He's like, oh, "They totally won't." He's like, <laughs> "Not me, no, it's different Zol. this time." <laughs> it's like, they, they told me, but they, they basically him. wanted their enemies of the Obsidian Order. That's how you can tell it's the Obsidian Order running the show. They hate mm-hmm. Garrick and Dukat. And that's who they wanted here. So they have Garrick and they have Zial because they want Dukat. And um, so Odo's in this container, right. but he just replaces the door with his own hand because they're not really paying attention when they put him in there. So he just walks out. What you want to do <laughs> when, you, when you're trying to ch- capture a shapeshifter is give them the least amount of attention you can. Don't really pay attention to what they're doing or what doors they're turning making into their own body or anything like that you really just want to leave them to their own devices without paying any attention to what's coming down the pipeline especially when they can change their fucking form at any time to glass apparently yeah (laughs) see through glass yeah seriously yeah and we do see one of them turn into fog so i guess that's that's not unbelievable i I guess you can do anything that the story needs you to do yeah fiction put put a great (laughs) plot device they had with him yeah (laughs) um and then the shadow uh, group beams in to stop them, at which point they shoot Zayal. No, they shoot Zol. Yeah, not Zayal, of course. They betray Zol, just like we knew was were, was going to happen for sure. But is, didn't he, and, wasn't uh, he going to, like, he had a gun on Kira, but then he, like, Kira, like, appealed to him, and then he, like, faltered? Yeah. And he yeah, was like, and, uh, maybe like, you're right, and then boom, they're like, and then they're ah, we were waiting for you to and, falter. And I, I feel like that's happened before, right, with some, like, uh, I guess we'll get to when it comes to the rating, but I'm almost positive I've seen that in the show before, where there's some old friend of hers that was a resistance person that got in trouble that turned out to be bad. That she, you know, there they had a similar moment. It seems very like this path has been tread before. Well, that's pretty much the end of that issue. Yeah, I think. Yep. Yeah, the shadow, group, the shadow group gets wiped out. Oh, yep, the shadow group gets wiped out. I mean, the idea of them being this group of like Cardassians working with Bajorans is interesting because they never really did that, I don't believe, in the series either. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's kind of neat that some of these ideas that didn't work their way into the show, you know, got their way into this. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting, but I do, like, I'm almost 100% sure, and you would know more than me, but that they've done a similar thing on the show where there were some old, old, or maybe I'm thinking oh, of the yeah. episode where There's all been- the. Uh, resistors, yeah, Bajoran resistors have had trouble with a bunch of times, so. yeah. That like were her old friends and ended up selling her out yeah. later, and then usually there's like, like where they, yeah, exactly. And then they falter, and then you know, they always falter when Kira's there, and then the, that falter is what gets them killed, uh, yeah. pretty much every time. So, yeah, no, I feel like the ground hasn't been newly tread on that one either. Um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I'll give it a C, 
it's fine. I mean, maybe I went, B. I'd say B. It'd be a better like some of that would be an okay B plot. Um, yeah, I I went with a B plot just because I liked the idea of them having like three possibilities and splitting off to solve them, and yes. they all kind of ha- have a piece to play in the solving of it. That way. is true, and that was that uh, was cool too. So yeah, no, I'll, I'll stick with a B. That works. All right, Risk Part One, mm. Issue Six. They love their toothbrushes. Oh, I, I forgot to show the issue. So there's the Jake Plague one. Oh, poor Jake. Yes, old Jake. In the, in, on the, on Which the is fu- funny because it's not like that played that hard into that episode. You know, like they just see Aaron that issue. You just see him at the beginning, and then like Cisco references maybe one. He was Jake. thinking about it really hard. <laughs> yeah, well, he gets stage. a full cover. <laughs> and there's uh, them all tied up in the shadow group being all. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Look how shadowy. provocative the pose that Kira is left in when she's tied up is. They even got Odo in the little bubble there, which is fun in this little cage. Front lit, you know, yeah. very nice. <laughs> you know, you always, okay. when, you're, when you're drawing a captive female, her butt's always got to be right out front and center. Oh, of course. Key becoming Risk hard. part one. Mm-hmm. Nice Cisco shot there. Yes, nice bag. Bag cover. Just going to tell you what's inside. That sounds like the 90s comics, too. <laughs> and it's murderer. murderer. <laughs> Question mark? Cisco's a murderer. We'll find out. The Defined is exploring the Alpha Quadrant past the Bajoran Sector when they encounter massive temporal and spatial distortions, and they run into one before managing to get clear of them, when all of a sudden, uh, they are ensnared by three tractor beams. Then contacted by a representative of the Shern, who tells them that they are being taken into custody for destroying their experiment. They explain that their uh, preeminent scientist has devised a technology to travel through space and time I'm traveling through space is also traveling through time, but we won't get into that more time, I guess. Time travel. Um, Through conduits, and uh, their arrival destroyed the conduit, killing the test pilot. They're told they will be standing trial for this crime, but Cisco demands that he be held solely responsible, and the Shern agree. Dax is assigned as Cisco's advocate, while Miles looks for weaknesses in the Shern, just in case they have to fight their way out and rescue Cisco, like Kirk style. Yeah, um, which is a very non-Starfleet answer. No, but it's very Cisco. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. <laughs> um, and they're his crew. Um, um, and they're they have a, another scientist there who's. Um, kind of teaching Dax how to be an advocate sort of in this trial and seems to be taking a liking to her and he seems a bit disgruntled and he refers to his society as a cathedral to monolithic science basically Um, yeah I'm going to get into some themes with this too okay it has interesting themes especially for Star Trek I feel yeah that's what I was going to say so Mm -hmm. Um, a former head of the project helps Dax get or he is he says he's a former head of the project and gets into Info for Dax since everyone else is stonewalling her wherever she goes. Can't get anything. Um, when Miles runs in and is saying that the conduit may have been shifted rather than destroyed and that the test pilot may be alive. Yeah, you need that out. Yeah. Yeah. The head of the project rejects this as he seems to have ulterior motives and Miles has no evidence, but he claims he'll get some. Chief has a plan to take a manned probe into the conduit. Because everyone else has been released and they just have Cisco mm-hmm. under. Because um, they keep sending unmanned probes and they just keep getting sucked into gravity wells. Yeah. And so he's like, he's like, but I can steer around them. So, but Kira thinks it's too dangerous. Um, Dax thinks it's too dangerous. 
Um, Chief does it anyway. Chief does it anyway because she doesn't really sell him. He can't do it. She's just like, it's dangerous and yeah. kind of walks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. yeah. just like, well, I wasn't given a direct order. As he, he even thinks to himself, he's like, I just might even be actually kind of fine. Yeah, and then he, they, he takes off and more orders him back. He's just like, Miles, you have to come back here and, uh, to the station now. And he just he's just like, okay, now I'm disobeying orders. Yeah, now nah, <laughs> that, that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah or not mutiny, but uh, you know, disobeying. But that's the end of that issue. Yes. Um, one thing I find interesting about this is so the whole scope of this planet is the the scientist that's trying to. Um, pin everything essentially on Cisco because they're trying to hide this thing that's going on with, with uh, this, this project that didn't work out. Uh, yeah. But the people, there's like this contingent group within the society that feel mm. as though um, that their society is, is too focused on expanding science and not focused enough on dealing with the problems at home, like the homeless people or the sick people or people dying of food like starvation like science is all yeah. about trying to find stuff about the stars and grand science yeah grand science like, which like, is like not even like the nuts and bolts of science that would help their society get better they're like what if we could do time travel and they put yeah. like, all their money into that so yeah exactly. they show even people picketing and stuff they're like basic needs please and like that sort of thing yeah it's so that's very, where that cathedral of monolithic science yes quote, and it's from. very anti-intellectual uh kind of as a theme basically um which isn't necessarily a bad thing in the in the context of the story but it's it's not necessarily the popular way to look at an idea like this uh, and it's also kind of Especially a different for Star Trek. yeah for sure because it's all so about science. science making everything better but this is like they've gone too far and they've mm -hmm. forgotten about the people they're more the, the super intelligent people have lost their connection to you know the common person and they're all their their minds are solely focused on grand unlocking the secrets of the universe stuff and not actually caring about their own people which uh starts, which yeah yeah very un-star trek but kind of fit well into the story which is interesting that it can take that kind of take even for a star trek story but for current affairs it made me think of how people are like why is these uber billionaires spending all this money to go to space when they're starving people on earth and that sort of thing it reminded me uh, of that argument 100 well. percent. it's the same kind of actually it, the connection was not lost to me either this the bezos blue yeah. whatever uh you know penis rocket all this stuff like it just it it very much felt on the nose for something I might see in like I don't know Star Trek Discovery episode or something you know like or something new. DS Nine was ahead of its time even in comic form apparently. It sure was. I mean the Bell Rides <laughs> happened what a couple years ago now. If the uh, timelines yeah. catch up, yeah, yeah, it's not too true. long ago. The eugenics wars are coming up soon. All right, I'm I'm on Team Con. No wait, that was the '90s. Where was were you the in the eugenics wars? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Team Con. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get this one, Chief, unmanned probing it to save Cisco's life. No, <laughs> manned probing it. <laughs> uh, I'm a sophomore. <laughs> Chief is probing around. <laughs> so he goes through, and it's been like four hours, and they haven't seen him. Kira says she's going to kill Miles if he returns, and then Worf walks in and says he may have to kill Miles if he returns. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's just going to kill him if he comes Line back. up to kill Miles once he gets back. Yeah, yeah, that's what Dax says. She's like, wait in line. Everyone's trying to kill him. Uh, but he returns, and he has evidence that he needs, but he didn't find the pilot. Uh, the project head, um, his name's Koth, the, the, the mm -hmm. current project head who's a big jerk. Yes. He denies their evidence, but Dr. Maev, the guy helping Dax, is furious and tells Kira he will find out what, they, what um, Koth has been plotting and, and help them out. And they find out that the project, or Koth, it was 
he buried a report that showed that this conduit project was super sketchy to begin with and was likely going to end up in catastrophe for that pilot anyway because anything would set it off essentially so like just um the defiant scanning it is what set it off like yeah. literally anything you could breathe on this thing and it was going <laughs> to kill that pilot yeah so, so he buried that report and that's why he's super sketchy um because he like wants all this glory if it does work because mm. yes that's the only thing their site or society really admires yeah it's like and, scientific and, glory kind of thing you know yeah it's it's science is god on the world he thinks yes, he'd be a god if he gets this and you know they, and he has to compete with project funding um with because he even says the other big ideas that these people were thinking about spending money on before they went with this conduit thing i found pretty interesting um they had an idea like sending colony ships to every quadrant um creating functioning stars out of gas giants mm -hmm. and using cosmic debris to create entirely new planets Oh, and interstellar transporters, which if you can do interstellar transportation, I guess maybe they just really wanted to do time travel. I don't know why they needed the conduits if they could interstellar. But big ideas. Like it's yeah. an interesting society that just shoots that high, you know. Yeah. That yeah. High. Well, people are starving to death in the streets. Well, they're starving to death. <laughs> yeah, never mind. It's a, it's a <laughs> bit of a compartmentalized I mean, society. It's it's almost like the the Tommy Wiseau of of, uh, of alien species. It's like like <laughs> instead of trying to figure out plot or uh, you know a good storytelling, we're just gonna make a movie. Let's just do it, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. That's oh, hi, Worf. Yeah. Oh, hi, Wolf. Yeah, hi, exactly. Wolf. <laughs> yeah. I like this. Oh, tell me why then. So, yeah, science is the pursuit of truth. Is Maev's Maya's uh, reasoning for going after Koth? He's just like, mm -hmm. this isn't science if he's burying reports and these types of things. Yes. Um, and Kira suggests that they focus on saving. Um, oh wait. Maev, they get in a fist fight and Koth punches Maev. And then Kira suggests they stop punching each other because um, they the voice can go Kira save this is. pilot. They yeah. can go through this conduit and save this pilot. And Chief says, like, maybe the Defiant can make it through because they're like, we don't even have any more ships. Mm -hmm. Like, we had that one test ship and that was <laughs> you it. guys sent it off. Yeah. <laughs> so Chief, uh, Chief makes that work. Um, Oh yeah, Chief says maybe the Defiant can make it along with the other, uh, with a bunch of other maybes. He keeps saying, and Kira's just like, would you stop saying maybe? So then, like Dax rewords everything Miles said without all the maybes. That mm -hmm. was pretty funny. Yeah, I did enjoy that. That was that seemed character <laughs> un unknown yeah. for the characters. Some of these feel like they maybe just were like episode plots they didn't use. Yeah, I get that vibe too. Like it really did mm. feel like I would have watched this in an episode to the point that in my headspace I may even forget that some of these were. We're down the line. We're comic stories and not actual episodes. Yeah, and Chief just Chief just smirks. He's just like, "See, not a maybe in the bunch, Major." <laughs> there was a terrible Chief impression. I made him Southern. Yeah, um, he says Southern Chief. Yeah, Southern Chief. <laughs> God, I'm gonna eat that. No, maybe I'll leave her. No, uh, Maya and the Chief are in engineering, and they're keeping the Defiant together, going through this conduit. And Maya knocks the Chief out. Dax goes to engineering to see what's up with the chief and finds Maev sabotaging the ship. He says the Shern need a catastrophic failure to end this science warship. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's his. The whole good thing. guy is a bad guy. All the good guy's a bad the guy. Ultra. The guy that like, and they make it very apparent that Dax might have feelings for him. It shows him hanging yeah. out and being like, to, like, uh, there's some some moments. They even have a there. bit of a "what if we could" kind of a. Yeah, scene. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, which which is funny because like I'm sure that's been done a million times to death on a million shows, but Star Trek especially. Um, yeah, but you know, it's always like I could have loved you, maybe, but you know, this is more important. You know that sort of thing. So. Uh, yeah, you know. so Jeji is fighting him, and she's like winning. She flips him against the wall, and Worf shows up and just like stuns him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but just... that was odd. Like, Worf, yeah. like Worf, you Worf's the voice of reason that uses a stun, like a, a phaser to stun a guy <laughs> instead of just beating the, the crud out of him with a bat lift or whatever. Like, <laughs> Worf's just like gabbing away, and she's just like, "You're <laughs> stop gabbing." He's just like, "Klingons do not gab," and she's like, "Core gabs." Oh yeah, and then he's like, he's just like this this is true, yes. Yes, yeah. Perhaps <laughs> he gabs find, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps he does. Yeah. yeah. They find the, the scientist and return to the Sharon base. And oh yeah, uh Dax quotes herself. She quotes Curzon. Right. And she says, Life needs balance between the monumental and the mundane. And that's what this uh society is missing. Which I thought was an interesting uh, kind of summary of the idea of this episode. Yeah, I can see that too. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, it's a big theme. It's a big. It's a big hit. Yeah. It's a big. Uh, it's a big swing uh, with this theme, especially in a Star Trek world, um, mm-hmm. because you know Star Trek is all around. You know, kind of uh, one of the very few non-dystopian visions of what human humanity can achieve in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. so the fact that they kind it. of yeah that's why most people do so mm-hmm. it's 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 rare there's an optimistic view of the future when it comes to what humans are going to achieve and as a, a fairly i mean i think i'm a fairly positive guy but as far as humanity goes i have a fairly nihilistic view um you're thinking I'd, cylons yeah uh, yeah we're we'll just blow ourselves <laughs> up before we get to that level um i feel i feel like cylons are hopeful because we had to create something <laughs> that's that, that that's going to survive, you know, that actually is <laughs> just strong, a better version and replace yeah, it. It's like, we just, like it, it's actually kind of positive. That we, we are capable of creating something that might replace us, but I feel like we're just going to kill ourselves with nukes or disease or something. Uh, I mean, I don't want to believe that, but there's, you know, it's in there. So well, the uh, disease thing seems a little more realistic yeah, given way, some yeah. people's reactions but we've seen, I think, but disease yeah. related to, you know, wet markets, and all these things that we as humans do, you know, that create these things um but yeah no it uh yeah i, I thought it was interesting i i did i did like that theme and for that alone i would mm-hmm. give this an a i, I gave it I, an a as well. and it ends with a, a dax saying why live seven lifetimes if you can't quote yourself once in a while which is pretty yeah pretty which is a great line actually and yeah. we totally have, could see being said on the show as well so. yeah. yeah i also gave it an a it would have been a, actually quite a good episode <laughs> i think i agree yeah 100 percent. um all right issue eight oh, Eight with the Romulans. Oh yes, the and away team again. in peril. Right, peril. Jake's on there for some reason. We got we to yeah, include Jake. Oh, this it. is the one where they go to the jungle planet. Yeah, yeah, with all the oh uh, public enemies, private lives. Mm-hmm. Good title. And yeah, an away team of chief again feels like the show titles. These yeah, um, yeah, it's Chief and Keiko, Kira and Jake head to an un- uninhabited jungle planet of Moorer Four. Once there, they interrupt a business deal between Maquis and some tech dealers. The away team is captured, but Kira has the runabout sent out a distress beacon, which DS9 receives, and then a defiant books it through the Badlands to get there as fast as they can. When, decloaking, Tomalock 
Tom Locke. He was a great uh, uh, regular appearance uh, character on TNG. Yes, yes, I did recognize him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Commander Tom Locke. He's, yeah. he's his banter with Picard is legendary. So mm-hmm. I was I was pretty happy to see him. So he decloaks, um, and destroys the runabout. The dealers are surgically altered Romulans, it turns out, and they kill the Maquis to replace them. They aim to pit the Maquis against the Federation in a hot war, Mm -hmm. basically. And the leader of them is Tomaluk's son, which is why Tomaluk is here. The Defiant arrives, as does a Maquis ship uh, captain by Cal Hudson. Yes. I was was really happy to see that, too. Um, Who says the Maquis have nothing to do with this, and Ben believes them, they're buddies. Um, which is interesting this, because yeah. the, the, they didn't end on the best terms in the show. Basically, no, I Cisco, guess before Cisco, that ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm guessing the actor died or something because they just said that this guy died off off hand, didn't he? After because after that first interaction, did we not see him again? Carl or Cal? Cal, I believe we see him twice. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 We run into one, and they do later. just brush it away. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think the actor died. I could be wrong with that, but they do just be like, um, like Eddington told him he died. He's just like, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. His death skirmish. was just sort of like Eddington's, like, oh yeah, he died, and then you're like, what? You know, like it seemed because they did run into each other twice. I believe the first time when you know he found out he was a mucky, and then yeah. later on again. Yeah. But, yeah. I remember his death seeming fairly anticlimactic, considering how important. I guess he just got replaced with Eddington essentially, but. Good actor too, and I liked the relationship with him and Ben. I definitely could yeah, see more of him, which was nice to see him in this. Uh, same with Tom Luck. Yeah. Uh, the Splinter Group is headed by Kunkel, who was one of the guys actually who was messing with that virus back in right. uh, the Cancer Within. So this mm, is like nice, this, nice throwback. This, this Maki's the worst. He's kind of a <laughs> jerk. And uh, Ben asks for Cal's help, and Cal's like, "Of course," because you know I never let anything happen to Jake. And that's the end of that issue. Yeah, I thought the overbearing father archetype is one that's been played out a lot in, uh, you know, film and television. I don't remember it playing too deeply in Deep Space Nine, aside from Cisco and and the Jake stuff. But the idea that like the bad guy's dad is kind of a dick, and the reason that he's a dick is that his dad has been so hard on him his whole life. So yeah. you know, and, and even makes some kind of shift into being almost a good guy later, or questioning all this stuff because you know. It's just what his dad did. Um, but it was interesting because even Tomalak isn't necessarily like the super bad guy in it either. It's just sort of the, the misguided son no. that sort of, you know, that, that brought about it's all the this. the parent stuff. figure that shows up. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a pretty funny way to use that character. Yeah, which I thought was interesting as well. I was like, ah, that's, that's a different take on it. And, and it is kind of neat that they found ways, although I find it odd when talking about all of this at once, like we're doing right now, how much mm. Deep, uh, Next Generation bleeds into this? Because it, it didn't lot. bleed into Deep Space Nine a lot, aside from, I mean, obviously Miles first Morph, episode in, in Yeah, in the first episode, but that's really it. Tom Riker. I mean, Tom Riker show. Right, in one episode with him, right. So uh, yeah, no, no which they reference in the book too at some point. I yeah, think. we get, to, yeah, this is, yeah, we do actually. That's yes. the Tom Riker nod. Yeah, yep. we get issue nine. Yes. Oh, explosion on the Defiant there. Public Enemies, Private Lives number two. Defiant tries to observe the situation under um, Cloak, but Tom Luck easily detects them, the Romulans, and tells them he is on a rescue mission and he's headed to the planet. And he will let Cisco know if he sees his away team. 
The away team attempts escape, but is caught and taunted by the Romulan leader, Narek, which is Tom Luke's son, which pisses off Miles and Kira, and a fight ensues. They just, like, <laughs> he didn't like the way he talked to him, so they just started swinging. It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like some manufactured drama that was necessarily earned there. Yeah. Uh, Jake makes a run for it during all the kerfuffle. And he's about to be shot when Tomaluk appears and tells his son to use better methods when doing covert ops than just like shooting people. It's like, that's not very covert. Yeah, he's pretty hard, this kid. <laughs> he is. Tomaluk says it's a stalemate in space, so they have to accomplish the mission down on the planet. Um, the Romulan left in charge hates Klingons, so he decloaks and fires on the Defiant right. while Tomaluk's away. After detecting Worf, he's like, there's a Klingon life sign. I'm just going to start a so The whole fight. shit. Yeah. Start yeah, a space that, war. That's some serious hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a chase through the dark jungle night ensues, and Jake almost falls in a tar pit. Narek catches up and almost shoots Jake, but he does fall in the tar pit. Jake saves him. Narek ponders if the gesture is why Jake is respected by his father, but Narek isn't, because Narek wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Which is in- very Star Trek. Yeah. I wrote down a note that that whole kind of inner monologue dialogue he has with himself is very Star Trek. It felt very on brand for Star Trek. Yeah, it, yeah. it did. It felt like I would have seen that in an episode for sure, 100%. This is one of the ones that really feels like an episode, especially yeah. with Cal Hudson showing up. Yeah, exactly. Um, Tom Luck may be forced in there, but who cares? He's a yeah, great character. It, it works. It works. <laughs> it works for what they yeah. need him to do, yeah. In the firefight above, Worf disables the Romulan warbird. David versus Goliath style. Like, it's so small compared to, like, the giant warbird. It's, it's mm-hmm. a cool shot they show. Uh, yeah, the Romulans then beam out the crew of their cargo ship and destroy it. The cargo ship that, that mm-hmm. people use down below. Cal and Cisco say goodbye to each other. They did, Cal didn't really need to be there. He almost not does really. Nothing. And even like, like the fact that they're like, "All right, so long." It's like you're still an enemy of this Starfleet. You know what I mean? Like I know your friends yeah. that are now enemies, but you'd still think that Cisco may be like, you know, you got to turn yourself in or something. They're just like, yeah. "Goodbye, come with I'll us." No, again. all right. Yeah. Well, I tried. All right, we tried. Yes, <laughs> even that would have been better. You know, Maki, Maki. <laughs> You yeah, like a, you old you know so and so over there. Yeah, yeah. Tell your wife I said hi. No, I think <laughs> I'll see you at dinner on Sunday as they go away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cisco, Worf, and Odo and Bashir beam down. Worf says it smells like Romulans. They find the away team minus Jake, and Cisco goes after him. He finds Jake and Narek, and Jake tells Ben to let Narek go as he has a worse punishment than prison ahead of him, which is basically just dealing with Tomaluk. Mm-hmm. Tomaluk beams yes, up Narek. Yeah. Reference that, yeah. I like that too. Yeah. Cisco tells Tomaluk instead of starting a war between Starfleet and the Maquis, his traitors force them to cooperate. So it did completely the opposite, mm-hmm. which I thought was funny. Um, and Jake is the hero due to his infuriating infuriatingly likable personality. Yeah, I like that ben too. Says. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's no, a very likable character. He is a very likable character. I've always liked Jake. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. this one did feel very much like an episode, um, like a full... It felt fleshed out and it felt a lot like a real... Like I, I give it an A for that reason. It, uh, Like the, the, the throwbacks to Tomalak and to, to Cal, all fun. Um, you know, the Maquis playing in with a, a bit between the Romans because the Romans never really focused too deeply into Deep Space Nine. A little bit here and there. But, you know, not in any real way. I don't even remember any episode where they were specifically the bad guys. Just mm-hmm. the only one that comes to mind offhand is the one where they're trying to convince them to enter the war on the side of the Federation. But that's uh, uh, right. 
you know, so yeah, no, I, I give it an A. I think it was fun. Points well made. I actually gave it a B because I felt like it didn't have quite enough. Like I could have just took the Tomaluck interactions with Ben and Cal yeah. to show up and say hi, and I could have just had that for the episode. So it did have some nice Jake stuff. So I will give you that. I can see why you, I, it would have been a good episode. The father son thing, I, I, I think, like. If it was a full episode, yeah. they probably would have fleshed that out more. The yeah. Maybe comparisons between Ben and Jake. They probably would have manufactured some kind of conflict with them to show that their relationship's not perfect either. But they mm-hmm. handle it in a different way, which is why they work in in uh, Tomalak and and uh, Nerak. Is that his son's name? Nerak. Nerak. Yeah. Yeah. Nerak. Yeah, so that would have been good. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're getting we're getting through it here. These last the last two are going to be like that. My summaries are like two sentences. Sure. So. <laughs> Oh no no story, we're going story deep six here. deep this is going to be a 6 hour episode. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody's we're going looking home. at about 2. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, I'll take it. All right. Um I may have thought it said this would be a quicker segment than that. Ah, it's all right. I'm having fun. <laughs> but, uh, all right, good. Me too. Um issue 10. This is a legendary cover. Yes, and and felt very I'm giving this an A right off the get go because it okay. <laughs> because it was the, very the whole two parter. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, and, it's, it's the wedding two-parter, basically. Yeah, but it felt very. Like, I mean, you you describe it, and I'll jump in as we go. Okay. But it, it felt right. very much like an episode of of the show, a fun episode. I'll spoil it as well. I gave it an A. Okay. Cool. This, this is a good story. Yeah. Um, Luox on shows up to the station with her baby and a new Bolian fiance. So I have to stop now. I don't know how much you know about Bolians. Just sporadically when they show up on the show. Okay, they, so they never they really have, seem to do a lot with them. They have caustic body fluids to the point where, like, their quarters are even always separated from like other uh, species' quarters. Usually, like they smell bad, or they actually like, no, they're no, like they're like have acidic spit oh. and acidic like body fluids in these types of things. So, having okay. her having a bullying fiance just raises some questions. Mm-hmm. That's all. Maybe babyzoids um, can handle it. Well, <laughs> she can. She can do a lot of things with That's true. just story uh, comes to show and she's asking Odo for a divorce so she can marry this Bolian Var. His name Which is. I thought was really interesting because uh, they never addressed that on the show. The um, divorce. Yeah. yeah. No, they just didn't. assume it happened somewhere, but like, mm. you know, just the idea that it's still lingering, that he's still technically married to her, I thought was a nice little touch. And also the fact that she was back after her appearance yeah. in the show. Like it would, it did feel very much like it would be a, a third part of that sort of story with those two. Yeah, this yeah. one would be a, a, a great episode. Like this For sure, yeah. Um, and also so, yeah, Odo is a bit in. conflicted. He does have feelings for Luwaxana, mm-hmm. and he laments that a bit. You know, he's a he's a brooding kind of fella. Yeah, she's not Kira, but he does have a he does have he does have feelings. Yeah. Um, Quark and Rom are in the shuttle bay admiring Var's ship, as Quark is excited about making a ton of latinum off catering this wedding. Mm-hmm. You know. As uh, Quark does. The one thing I wish this series would have had was a good Quark episode. This is close as we got to it, but yeah, it's, it's it's true. That's that it is what it's lacking. That 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 is unfortunate. Um, right. So, it, uh, you know, she's the inheritor of the sacred chalice of Reeks and the Holy Rings of Beta's head. This is going to be a lot of catering. Yeah, that's right. But it's funny she didn't invite Deanna, and she actually comments on that. She's like, she can't come to all my weddings. 
Yeah. Or like, I don't know. Did you say she specifically didn't invite her, just that she couldn't make it because she was off somewhere else or something? She didn't really specify, but she just when asked about it, she kind of brushed it off, saying she can't yeah. be expected to come to all my weddings. Yeah, so. which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, so Rom touches this weird goo on the ship, which he says he saw him move, but Quark dismisses him and they leave. Luwak's on. <laughs> this is this is this scene weirds me. Luwak's on it comes in and she rubs Cisco's head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was weird she's man, just like i like that, the new know? look yeah, yeah yeah right he acknowledges the change it's weird how they make a, like the timeline to this is, is a weird mismatch of trying to figure out where this all fits because like when they were some things seem like season five ish yeah but then some seem more like that and then yeah. like because it's also references to to wharf and jedzia being together it doesn't really play yeah. out in the series you don't see that happen in the comic it's just in, at the start of some new storyline, they're just together now. So, like, it's just yeah, sort of yeah. welding in amongst the continuity of the entire series. That's that's a good point. It's just it's really just those first couple stories that sort of are like a week, and then there's yeah. definitely time between these stories. For sure, they fix the defiant, and it stays fixed for. A week. Yeah, yeah, they don't reference that it was damaged. <laughs> a week. No. Uh, Dax and Worf are off on the off the station on Riza again, which is yeah. Hilarious. So that means they're together now, but they weren't really last time because she was making googly eyes at that, uh, you know, in that guy in the science. Yeah, and it's a reference to the last time they were on Riza, which went right. horribly because yes. Worf got all conservative and weird. <laughs> which I thought was interesting. It was like, how many sexual <laughs> partners did you have? Oh, yeah, you know, like what? Do you oh care? well, oh, it's like you're on Riza. You can have as many as you want. Seek yeah. Jamaharon. That's right. <laughs> like, it's yeah. Freak on there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Luwak's on it says, Cisco's new look is like severe, dashing, and somewhat Klingon. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um. So the chief wonders how she convinced Worf to go to Riza again, of course. And she's mm-hmm. uh, Luwak's on it says, old age and treachery will always overcome the youth and and Klingon honor, chief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny. That's they want one. Cisco to marry them, do the ceremony. Um, Garrick is getting lots of work as well because he has to do all the clothes for this wedding. The catering, yeah, and the most of them aren't going naked despite it being a Betazoid ceremony. Mm-hmm. Which they reference overtly so they don't have naked people walking around in the comic. Yeah. <laughs> and on the show. Okay, we're just not doing it naked this time. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's so funny. Kara's... Um, uh, oh, yeah, the Vara's assistant... Um, doesn't like Luwaxana and thinks she is cold and imperious. Um, yeah, she system, leaves. It's and pretty it, obvious early on the assistant is into Duder. You know, mm-hmm. like it's very Lady there. Doth protest too much kind of thing. Like it's pretty obvious that she doesn't like her because they even make a reference to jealousy, right, or something. They say like Shakespeare yeah. mentioned the green eye, you know, the green eyed monster, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of Shakespeare references in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Christopher Plummer is going to show up with all the Shakespeare in this. <laughs> Cry havoc. <laughs> I love my favorite Star Trek movie, by the way. It's a side note, but I just love that Christopher Plummer's like, Yeah, I'll do it, but I want him to quote Shakespeare and like, well, it doesn't really make any sense, but yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> you know, like the clean. I don't want one of those foreheads. He's like, All right, we'll give you an eye patch. It's like, okay. <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs> um, so Vera's assistant leaves in a huff and she's attacked by the slime. Rom goes to meet a co-worker, um, but finds her only finds her beloved hypo spanner that her right. deceased father gave her. 
covered in the is, slime which is a nice little bit to throw in just to make it yeah. seem like to give you some this person that you've never heard of before some frame of reference as to why they wouldn't leave their spanner behind yeah <laughs> she would never leave my her beloved spanner, spanner. it's like i love that <laughs> idea span, beloved spanner i love that so idea funny. that's like her father gave it to her that's like me saying like oh man this is my favorite iphone my dad gave it to me 20 years ago and i'm still using it today like you think technology would catch up to a point that it's not as cool to be using that anymore or let not even function oh yeah you know the spanner would probably be like 30 years old and long uh you know outdated as far as technology goes maybe a better equivalent is like that's the dear beloved wrench your father gave you i suppose but yeah i mean i assume everything in star trek is like a little computer so i assume it has to yeah. have, be upgraded or you know have new technology <laughs> added eventually <laughs> cisco wants to get to the bottom of the slime as it seems to be some as if it's some sort of sloughed off tissue. So, uh, so they think it's, uh, you know, some sort of biological organism, maybe sentient life. It's alive, yeah. yeah. But they want the wedding to go ahead to avoid panic. You got to love that. Like, this is like one of these horror plots where they're like, we just got to not tell anybody what's going on. It's just, panic. it's just, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, you don't yeah. close down the beach. You, you don't want to scare Oh my God. Cisco's the mayor of, he's the mayor of, in Jaws. Sandy Beach or whatever it is. Oh no. You know what's the most interesting thing I can say about Jaws um, uh, is after Jaws one, uh, in Jaws two, that guy is still the mayor. So oh, wow. after all of that, he continued to be the mayor of Amity Amity uh, Island. Yeah, Amity Island. Uh, so yeah. you, if you don't believe that, you know Donald Trump can get elected twice. Oh my God! There you go. The mayor no got, one ran got, got elected in again. <laughs> um, so they send uh, and they send Rom home. To go to Lita, they don't think they need his help in this particular yeah, thing, but he disagrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes to the shuttle bay instead. And he and the security officer, uh, I believe her name's Atana. She actually is in the show. She shows she's up in like, quite a bit, the Bajoran security officer, which I, was, yeah. like, I don't remember her in the show. Yeah, she's, she's there. Was... She's like uh, the the only one like war, or, uh, Odo ever really talks to. Yeah, I guess so. I guess, I, guess I, I always thought of her maybe as like Eddington before Eddington became important. Where he's just sort of there, never yeah. really did much, but was never really a main character until you know he he betrayed them. Um, Editing it was conspicuous because it's like, where did this guy come from, and why is he getting so many lines? Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like I've been here all along. Okay, yeah, exactly. Oh, actually, no, they reference when they brought him on his security. Yeah, Starfleet sent in a person. They, they didn't trust Odo. Yeah, yeah. So. But and so he and the security officer find the slime has disappeared off that ship so it must have moved because it hasn't been cleaned they figure and they assume it must have moved down to the habitat ring and so rom tries to contact lita at their quarters but it's too late the slime has gotten lita in the sonic shower yes which is quite alluring the sexiest depiction of sonic showers i've ever seen like they they even has steam it looks like it has steam it does because i need something to block out all her parts so that they yeah that's true with a comic book but yeah they they've all these like super like provocative shots with like just carefully placed steam covering her nipples and all these other things to make it like fit within the comic which i found like fairly like super titillating for a star trek thing yeah like, i get it i get it for normal comics i mean you know they do it all the time when anything catwoman or black widow or anybody shows up they're always coming out of the shower or something it's like but in a star trek comic it seems a little like it just seems mm. a little off because i mean lita's always sort of been the sex part of that show but like to have her like you know totally filling that role in in comic world was uh was interesting to see so like 80s horror like 70s horror too yeah 
Yeah. Oh, like Italian horror where everybody's like coming out of the shower before they get murdered. Like every, everybody. (laughs) Oh, there's just like Italian horror is the best because it's just like, yeah, anything with Argento, there's just like random people coming out. Like, and usually they're lesbians and doesn't, it doesn't pursue the plot at all. It's just a reason to have two naked women wandering around their apartment so someone can come in and murder them. Like, just ridiculous. Yeah. It's the 70s. (laughs) <laughs> so that's the end of that that's a yeah. cliffhanger at the end of that yes issue. right and we well i like to well i mean we can roll into this since all one story but i like to win mm-hmm. 11 um you know we finally get badass nog you know like nog nog suits up and gets a bunch of weapons and armor basically and goes after this oh thing. yeah yeah i think um, that might be in the next issue but yeah he's good it is yeah he goes and gets work because quirk you must have some guns you haven't sold yeah, hanging around which he yeah. does of course but yeah right, then it, the next one Yes, the divorcing Odo idea I thought was fun. That whole thing played into well. The another yeah. wedding, and even seemed a little bit like uh, aliens ish with this thing picking people off the station or body um, snatchers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're not being replaced, but the, the no, idea that like there's something taking people, and even which we get into in the next episode, the blob pods. Yeah, yeah, very blobby. Um, but in the blob, they're you're definitely dead when it gets you. This one, you know, kind of leaves it open as to what happens. Yeah. So four weddings and a, or four funerals and a wedding, part two. Nice. Oh, that's what this one's called. So they sometimes Where they did the funerals happen. I don't remember any of that. Did four people die? No, because <laughs> yeah. Rom finds them. Right. Um. So yeah, maybe not the best title. Ah, we'll let it go. The others have been great. <laughs> yeah, they're allowed an off day. Yeah. Uh, it's still pretty good title. Uh, yeah, sure. uh, Ram is freaking out as Lita is missing, and he wants to borrow weapons from Quark. Oh, yeah, and they, this is like the first time, and this and it's done again in this comic too, where the Ferengi used charity as a as like an ex- expletive. Right, it's like charity, and he's just like to charity with my latinum. He Ram says to Quark. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Quark's like, don't swear. That. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> seen that anywhere in the show, but I like that. No, I don't think they ever did, but they use it audition. twice in this. Uh, that was funny. The charity. The charity. Uh, Odo investigates and rules out a changeling, which seemed obvious anyway. Um, no, yeah. Then I just have written down Commando Rom. Yeah. 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 You know, kid it out with armor and the guns. And, and I like how yeah, he, he looks cool. I like because, like, the, he, he had a few moments like that in the show, but I liked how this really yeah. sort of given him the full. Like he, he didn't have a commando like, moment. He had no, hero moments. And even when he overtly says, like, I never stood up to my brother, and this is like Lita's my world, like I need to do this for her. And that was a nice moment. It was nice seeing yeah. Nog step like Nog stepped up mm-hmm. a bit in the past, and it's always been oh, cool yeah. when he does in the show. Um, Julian finds that the creature is targeting females to steal their hormones so that it can reproduce. Which is I found an interesting science concept. This yeah, I liked it too. Nice one. Yeah. Um the Rom and the security officer search the waste extraction. So they're, they're going through the, the you know, uh, Shawshank yeah, Redemption style. Yeah, that's right. uh, <laughs> Wolf <laughs> crawled through a river of shit. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know what? That's one of my favorite movies, too. Movies are- actually, when you talk about it, almost, that's the answer I get for favorite movies for most people. I think it's a good movie. Statistically, yeah. that's probably the, the most I've ever got is for. Yeah. For Shawshank. It's a good choice. Great choice. It is. Yeah, I like that. Um, so and then they find them. Uh they have They're to like kind of hang from the pods, ceiling. Very aliens, style. you know, kind yeah. of yeah. So it's like, they do a lot of nods like visually in this one. They do it to uh, aliens for sure. Aliens yeah. simply being so he shoots at the slime. 
and it seems to loosen its grip on the women. And then back at the wedding, Odo and Vara are like getting into it because Vara's mm-hmm. all like, I think you're a jerk and I'm jealous and that sort of thing. Which came out of nowhere. He seemed very yeah, nice did. for the whole time until this sudden moment where he's just like, I'm a jerk now. And it's like, what? Well, I have a theory about that actually in a second here. Okay. Um, and then the wedding starts. Lita throws... No, so they are free. The the women do get free back down in the mm-hmm. waste extraction. And Lita takes Rom's grenade and like throws it at the, the slime. And right. Rom's just like, no! Like, that's probably not the best way to do it. Yeah, let's split it uh, into multiple slimes. That's smart. <laughs> but it like blows a hole in the... In the in yeah, the, in the side of the station. Yeah, exactly. So it, like the slime and everyone spill into the wedding scene, yeah. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then Luoxana, due to her telepathy, she knows everything everyone else knows about this creature, but she also mm-hmm. kind of senses some things from this creature. And she's just like, well, if it just needs female hormones, I got this. And she just walks up to it and lets it envelop her. And yeah. she, she's got, I got more female hormones than all of these ladies can buy. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. And she does. She overloads it and kills it. It dies. Yeah, which, <laughs> I didn't think even, it was going to die. Julian but, even says something like, well, if yeah. it died, I imagine it died with a smile on his face. Like, yeah, that's so happy. true. Which, which, which is seems a funny to make line. it okay that it died. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's essentially in form of life or some 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 kind anyway. Um, <laughs> what a crazy thing. But it was a good Luoxana moment. I liked it a yeah, lot. Yeah, I agree. Stuff I agree. like that in Brave, you know. She's, I agree. And it was kind of neat character. that she's just so so womanly that she, you know. Which we do literally, see. Yes, which we do see quite a bit in the show that she just. It's a healthy just, libido. It. That's right. Um, and then she finds Vara hiding like a coward and she breaks off the wedding because she calls him a coward and that sort of thing. But then she tells Odo the real reason she dumped Vara, which was. Um, who found it out? Somebody found out, like someone on the crew, Chief O'Brien, maybe, or no, it was Odo. No, it wasn't Odo. No, it wasn't so Odo. Anyway, so... uh, somebody figured maybe it's Julian. I don't know. Someone figured out there was something, yeah, it was in their, Julian, their yeah. neural path that was hiding yes, the fact they, they had were a lying. Thing. Yeah, yeah, they were lying and pushed to steal her money, basically. Yeah, which seemed a little like you didn't need, they could have just capped it with he's a coward and let, and that would have been fine. Like to throw in an extra reason as to why she didn't need to be with them was like kind of seemed like overkill. Yeah, so my whole theory with Var was like maybe he knew they were on to him and he was just freaking out or something. Yeah, I could see so that. That's the only thing I could think of. But I just, I don't know, it just seemed like he didn't need to bother. It seemed like enough was going on without needing yep. to throw in yet another guy trying to steal her money. You know, that was the, uh, that was the Luwaxana wedding ep- yeah. Uh, no, a, episode. Yeah, no, A plus. A grade. Oh, an A plus? That's an acceptable grade. Ooh, excellent. I, I gave uh, I new ground. I gave it an A, but I will say I do have an A plus coming up. Ooh, excellent! Yeah, I had an A plus. Oh, is it, as well. is it the triples one? one? No. Okay, that's, that's good though. Um, issue twelve, command yeah, 12. decisions. So this must have been a crossover with another comic, was it? These two? Yeah, and I don't. I am not familiar with that. It's like a Starfleet Academy, Starfleet Academy comic, which they oh, reference yeah. significantly in it. And this is one of my problems. Which with is like this temper. This like temporal telepathy war wars? confused. Yeah. yeah, telepathy war. I was like, why is it called telepathy wars? Because none of that plays into this. But I'm guessing it's and why is it starting at part two? Yeah. Well, that's it. Like Here's... that's that's part of the the one of the drawbacks for comics to me. And modern day comics does it a lot. Where like yeah. they'll just pause the regular comic you're reading and be like, All right, this takes place within this big event. Marvel does it constantly. Mm-hmm. This big event oh, yeah. we're doing, like uh fear itself. Every maximum carnage or minimum carnage or whatever, war of the symbiotes, all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> Like, I'll be watching, uh, you know, I'll be reading Amazing Spider-Man, and all of a sudden the story will just 
break and the next issue will be all the stuff that has to do with this uh, absolute carnage storyline that I yeah. I'm not reading it. I have no interest in it. I like I for now I got three issues of something I don't care about. And this felt yeah. very much like that. Like it's just some other storyline in the Starfleet Academy comic that they just sort yeah. of, you know, shoehorned into this to, to do the overlap. And, and it didn't play into it much. So it, to me, it didn't really detract from it a whole lot. And the story it, it, wasn't it, that interesting. The, 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 the part around them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. go ahead and give us a synopsis. Yeah, no, no problem. Um, so this is command decisions. Mm-hmm. The Dominion and the Gemini are going to attack the station within hours. This one really feels like a one of the Dominion war episodes. Like yeah. At the height of. Yeah. Um, and they're going to attack within hours and only a few Klingon ships and a few civilian ships and the Defiant are there to defend the station. And then a hail comes in from Picard. Yes. John Luke Picard. Oh, Johnny Luke Picardy. shows up. Jay Luke. On the Enterprise E. Fancy new ship. Sovereign class. And he will beat the uh, Cardassians there by a half an hour, he says. And then he, then this, yeah, so then, then it crosses over with the Starfleet Academy series and you, um, yeah, Nagra on board the like, Enterprise. Yeah, yeah on board the Enterprise, there's this Admiral Decker. Yes. And Omega Squad, yes. which, you know, Red Squad and Alpha Squad, whatever you want to call them, they're always trouble in Star yeah. Trek. Elite cadets are the worst. Yeah. Um, Bunch of pompous bastards. But and Decker is Decker from the famed Doomsday Machine TOS episode Deckers. So right, he references his grandfather, or whatever. Commodore Decker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah, the 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 kid is the grandson or great grandson, I think. Actually, um, but yeah. So the Omega Squad went to Talos Four, which has come up often on Locutors of Trek. It's if you go to Talos Four, where the Talosians are, mm-hmm. the Federation will kill you. It's the only thing they will kill you for. It's the only mm-hmm. thing they have a death sentence for, which is going to Talos Four. And the cadets did that, even though while there, they did find out a Gemadar plot. And so they were doing something they thought was right, but now they're going to get executed. It still seems and to me that Starfleet would do does. that for any it reason. It does, but they, it was the only way they could stop the Telosians from going crazy on them in that episode. They was like, we'll just never come back, and we promise no one else will. So It's it's an interesting little kind of carry yeah, on. Yeah, but obviously the Telosians are okay with it because, you know, these guys got off and they didn't start an intergalactic, you know, thing with them. Yeah, so. I wonder how that goes in that uh, Starfleet Academy comic. We yeah. don't get that in this. But um, yeah, one of them is actually that Admiral's kid, and yeah. he still doesn't care that they're going to execute them. Yeah. Yeesh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Odo says they aren't on the station, but he doesn't want to hand the cadets over even if they are, because he did that once before in the episode Things Passed, and he'd regretted right. it. So that was a nice little nod. That was, yes. Um, Decker believes they have a friend who will hide them on the station, which they do. Mm-hmm. Which you Nug. Yeah. Nuggy boy. And he has a plan to smuggle them aboard. He absolutely does. The Admiral had him figure out. It's actually a pretty clever, I guess. He uses the Defiant mm-hmm. Transporter to bring them in instead of the Deep Space Nine one. Yeah. It was smart, but then he forgot to erase the records. Yes. Which yeah. is classic now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was too happy with himself in the first That's place. Right. Um, Jake wants to help Nog, but Nog refuses. Doesn't want to get him involved in illegal stuff. Enterprise and Martok's fleet arrive. Worf, Martok, and Kira want a preemptive strike, but Cisco says that a defensive war is a fool error. Is a no, they say a defensive war is a fool's errand, but Cisco doesn't want to do the um, preemptive strike. Martok responds that a thousand throats may be cut in a single night by a running man. Mm. 
It's yeah, really that's nice. Very yeah. I've heard, I think yeah. I've heard that before. Yeah, well, yeah. It it maybe yeah, it's it might have been another Shakespeare thing or something. Or I just remember what really I read when I read the comic and thinking that was interesting too. But yeah, yeah, it was a good and one. He, Cisco still says no. And Maritok says he's just going to go anyway, and he'll do the mm-hmm. preemptive strike himself. Worf confronts the captain because he agrees with Maritok, and Cisco just snaps at him and tells him to go meet his old shipmates. He's like, "Your friends are here. Like, go play." Basically, mm-hmm. he's yeah. pretty mad. Piss yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. Kira and Worf basically agree as they're walking away and they're away from Cisco that Kira is going to sneak off and steal the Defiant. And Worf's just mm-hmm. going to be like, well, Captain told me I'm going to be busy playing with my friends, so I guess I wouldn't see you do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Which is very, yeah, very, uh, yeah, it's very <laughs> much that, like, you can do it, but, you know, I'm not going to tell you can do it. I'm just going to um, leave this unlocked thing over here and walk away, you know. Yeah. Whatever happens, so, it's out of my hands. Yeah. Uh, Nog beams omega squad into quirk's liquor storeroom right and they're like they're going to come down here for warp plasma soon it smells so terrible in here which i thought yeah. was pretty funny <laughs> um chief and Worf greet the enterprise crew and decker chief wonders if Riker is actually time tom Riker again because tom Riker stunned chief <laughs> on that ds9 right. episode and they referenced that, that a couple times yeah. yeah and Riker's just like i'm not responsible i'm not my clones keeper yeah that's <laughs> a nice line. yeah and Worf tells Deanna that he's dating an older woman. I thought that was pretty funny. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, the bridge crew finds the Omega runabout, and then it explodes, like, as soon as they find it. The Admiral presumes them dead and just returns to the Enterprise. He's just like, well, I guess that's that. Just, just wipe your hands. It's all, yeah. there we go. It's all wrapped that's up the in execution, a neat little package. <laughs> that was a funny moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then Nog... Uh, well, Deanna te- telepathically, in that scene, actually, Deanna telepathically talks to Will about how strange the Admiral's being and how she knows that the cadets are still alive because one mm-hmm. of them is also like a, a betazoid with yeah. high telepathy. Um, Nog didn't erase the transporter logs, so as we said, so he sneaks back aboard the Defiant to try to erase them. And just then Kira and, and Garrick and Odo, who she's bringing with her on her little piracy venture, Beam onto the bridge where where Nog is. And Derek like, is an odd choice. Yeah, <laughs> he's not really usually included yeah. in these sort of things. If it's you know, not by Kira, no, usually <laughs> by Julian, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Kira thanks them, and Garrick rebuffs it, just <laughs> reminding her that none of them are Starfleet, so they don't actually have careers in Jeopardy, just their That's lives. True. Yeah, yeah. That is a nice <laughs> yeah all we can do is die. We don't have to worry about our jobs. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, to find undocks, and Cisco orders Worf to demand they return or tractor beam them. Worf begins to and is immediately beamed away. And Cisco assumes this was all part of Worf's plan. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, Worf must be on the Defiant now. But Troy's just like, no, actually, Worf was surprised by that. Yeah. And uh, then the assault commences and like everyone's attacking the station. And it gets pretty nuts. There's crazy action scenes inside the station, outside the station. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Um, and then Omega Squad just like shows up to the bridge and they're just like, we'll help. Yeah. Which is funny because they don't do anything. Not really. Like, no. They help defend the inside of the station and like yeah. gets phasered, but they don't have any special plan like you think they're going to. Or Yeah. It all just, seems built around this Omega Squad, which don't, this doesn't really seem to matter. It just seems like yeah. a way to make this crossover for the sake of this event they're doing. Yeah. Sake of the telepathy war. Yes. So th- that was that was the end of that comic. Now it's Day of Honor, which is Death of Honor on yes. here. 
<laughs> but I think it's actually called Day of Honor on the inside. Ah, yes. <laughs> Worf beams aboard the Defiant. They detect only 30 Jem'Hadar warships coming. And to them, they're like, well, that's not very many. And that's, you know, the station could probably maybe deal with that mm -hmm. um, alone without fleets. And then they also discover Nog. And then Dukat comes on screen. He threatens the Defiant with destruction. And Kira gives Worf command of the Defiant, even though he is the normal commander. But yeah. she does outrank him on the station. Um, the station is taking heavy fire, but the shields are holding when 12 more Cardassian ships come out of warp. So the odds are getting stacked against them. Cisco accepts the help of Omega Squad. He's like, all right, you can help. But again, they don't do anything. I don't no, know. Not just, really. Uh, like you said, there's a few people to beam aboard. That's about it. Yeah, exactly. And the station is about to be boarded. Martok is waiting in cloak, like we're letting Worf and the Defiant like take all this damage. He's yeah. just like, nope. Wait, yeah. hold, give him a chance for glory. Hold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. hold it. They're like, seriously, he's about to blow up. He's just yeah. like, hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Yeah. Murtaugh's hardcore. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and he also says about Kira, he's like, she fights like an enraged wild she-targ. Yes, yeah. which of those fun. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Defiant is uh, one shot from destruction, and then Worf yells, ramming speed, like in <laughs> First Contact, the movie. That was a great moment. Yes. Kira then tries to take command from Worf to stop him from killing them all. She's like, we can actually still just warp away in cloak. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, but we're, in, we're basically a disabled ship, and we can run in and destroy an operational flagship. He's like, we yeah. have to do it. Yeah. Which, you know, in the Klingon sense, you see where he's coming from. Yeah, makes sense, too, as far as a yeah. tactical sense. If it's a numbers game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure, 100%. And then Maritok's fleet does decloak just in time. He's like, ah, we've... Yeah. <laughs> ah, I got you. you. had your chance for Maritok. You... What a joker. <laughs> this is such a funny way yeah. to go about that battle. Um, but then they take heavy fire, and Maritok's ship's like about to have a core breach. And then there's, again, more crazy action inside and outside the station. Um Cisco leaves a final log and he's just like everyone performed admirably give them anyone who survives give them commendations and mm. all this sort of stuff and he's like also like the admiral's acting weird I don't know why he wants these kids to die so bad yeah. <laughs> which is never yeah. really answered in this comic I mean I'm guessing no, he had to I... reading Starfleet to figure it out but yeah I guess so which I'm glad it didn't have too much to do with the story. But it was a nice little log. Mm -hmm. um, Nog was able to beam Martok and his bridge crew aboard but the rest of his crew explodes yeah. um, he's, he's, he seems oddly okay with that he's like yeah. not bothered just about it Worf's like hey garrick don't make light of this situation klingons just died people are uh, dead and then ducat gets his ship online first though and is about to destroy the defiant when tomaluk and the romulans arrive tomaluk yes, again tomaluk romulans love to show up just in time that's right at this point in Deep Space Nine. It does feel very much like near the end of the series, like the where this yeah. all takes place. Yeah, and this kind of stuff was like happening a lot. Mm. It's like the attack we didn't see. Yeah. Like, well, like was yeah. the last seven episodes of the series are all one big storyline, or is it seven or eight or of Star Trek? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah maybe, Feels like it would have fit with it all. <laughs> maybe so, yeah. It was a lot. So wrapping up every plot line with everything, yeah. you know. And they do wrap it up tight here. So like it could be that battle we didn't see. Mm, yeah. Um, um, the Dominion retreats immediately, which is the where you yeah. could say this is 
the battle didn't happen because it didn't end up with anyone being obliterated yeah. or anything. And then, and then you know, Tom Lux boasting and taunting Worf. <laughs> Worf's just like, mm, all right, you can tow mm. us back to deep space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. It's like, we'll never be allies or nothing. Yeah, but you can tow us. Yeah. And uh, they do surmise that this was some kind of a distraction tactic, right? That, that, that I mean, he had something else going on, and that's why they were less people coming through, or that they didn't send that many people to attack the station. It was all a distract. Yeah, it was. And Tom looks just like, so what do you think they were trying to distract you from? And they're just like, uh, I don't know. Once again, never gets answered. <laughs> yeah, never gets answered. But yeah, it's that, that, kind of mystery. It's hanging out yeah. with that in the fire wind. They're out somewhere. Those two plot lines are hanging out together out in the, the wormhole somewhere. So, like, you know, they defended the station, at least all they had to do, and the Admiral takes his son away to be executed, but the Omega Squad members who were injured get to stay in sick bay. Yes. For now, the Admiral. Yeah, 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 right. I'll be back to kill them later. Which doesn't come up again either. No. <laughs> so, yeah. A lot of weird plot points, a lot of things. I didn't need that... to see that Admiral again. He sucked. No, seemed unneeded. I mean, I just, I like I said, I just don't like the shoehorning all these other storylines into the storyline that I'm following. Over. Yeah. Um, Cisco doesn't accept the resignation of his pirates. They're all going to uh, right. re- resign. So it's like, we betrayed you. I understand. He's just like, no, nah, you're not getting off that easily. Now get out of my sight. <laughs> Which is such a cop out, too. It's like, no, no, I do want to look at you, but I'm not firing you. Get out of here, you know. But then this issue ends with a nice thing. He's just like, I Worf is leaving a log, and he's like, something I should have learned about captains serving on the Enterprise, and I learned from this captain is it's equally as good um, attacking the things you don't like or your enemies as it is 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 defending the things you love. He's like, those are equal things, which you know, which is what uh, you know sums up Cisco's perspective of not wanting to do the preemptive attack he's just like we stay here and we yeah. defend the things we love you know i feel so like that was an interesting way to sum up the episode i feel like in this whole series like all 15 episodes there's not a lot that really focuses on cisco he's just sort of there but there's mm-hmm. no real stories that center around him specifically yeah. um you know and, and even the close. bits with him and and with cow and other things are just sort of like brushed off they're not like really deeply went into so mm-hmm. uh I mean, I feel like Cisco's such a great character, and I feel as the show, if the series had continued, we probably would have got more of that, but it was yeah. just sort of seemed odd that, you know, out of 15 issues, we get one that focuses on Garrick before we get on one that focuses on Cisco. What grade did you give this one? Uh, I don't know. I'm really, really deterred. I don't want to give it an F because that's real bad, but I'm really deterred by the the whole crossover thing that I not the telepathy war that I didn't have a frame of reference for or care about at all. And I really hate when comics do that. So, like, see. Okay. You know. I, this is the one that on first reading I actually gave an A+. Plus really? I thought you would have given liked, me a I liked, I liked the Martok thing he was doing. I liked basically he, everything around that didn't involve the Omega Squad. I liked okay. all the other stuff. I liked that... Um, I guess I focused know, heavily on that because it seemed to be such a central part to this. Yeah. It didn't seem to matter at all. No, no, upon this review, rating. though, I do feel like I like the Luoxana one better. So I'm going to have that's to give fine. them both A pluses. That's fine. That's really fine. Yeah. Yeah. They love the Luoxana one a little better upon second consideration. Right yeah, you you make a good point about the Omega <laughs> Squad. It I just hated them so much. Anywhere. I didn't know them. I didn't know anything fit. about them. I didn't care. No. It was just like every time they showed up, I was just like, oh, yeah. let's get out of here. 
get back to the main story. Maybe I'll swap those. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna take this one down to an A and put my A plus on the Luwak. Oh, okay. That really was the best story. I'm I changing do. I agree here, but this is I my agree. show. I can. That's right. You can do whatever right. you want. Exactly. All right. So we got two single issues left, and they both have pretty epic covers. Right. By yes. this comic or this triple dies, which is a very yeah. uh, which was that that. Um, that that thing in comics in the '90s was uh, very prominent. The She-Hulk, you know, this yeah, She-Hulk did it, or rip up your X-Men comics. Um, yeah, think of Scrawl Kill Crew did it with the Scrawl's head with the shotgun on it, and so like, we'll That's kill the Scrawl. Yeah, well, I'm a big Scrawl Kill Crew's a deep so cut. <laughs> I'm a Grant Morrison fan, a big one. So some obscure stuff is is there. Um, you know, then that one, and then there's a, f- a couple others I think that did similar things. So that was a trope that was used quite a bit at that time period. Well, this one has my favorite title of all of them. Yes. yes. Nobody knows the tri- triple I've seen. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good pun. Knows my sorrow. I'm a sucker for a good pun. Yeah. Always have been. There used, to be, there used to be a store near here called Miss Fancy Plants. It was my favorite name for a story ever. So. <laughs> and it's somebody else bought it and they changed it, but I thought the name was great. Yeah, should have kept that. Should have bought the name. Damn right. So this one, this is a funny one. Um, there are triples infesting the station, which just happens after because of the one they brought back in the the yes. Trials and yeah. Tribulations episode. Exactly, which is one of my favorite episodes of the series. So it's kind of oh, fun that there's something tied into that. Yeah, and you always wonder what happened to that triple because there's all of a sudden there's a bunch on the bar and everything. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, but you never see how they cleared it up. No, um, just, just assume they Quark's there bullshitting about Worf. He's like, Worf was here, like murdering. Like triples by the dozens with guns and everything, and Oda's like, I would have known if there was guns going off. He's like, There's yeah. no way that happened. He's just like, Oh, you just weren't here. You didn't see it. Like, you didn't Quark's know. Just, Quark's just saying stuff about war for no reason. It was pretty funny. This, this, there's some funny Quark stuff in this one. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Um, the crew wonders about the Klingon triple thing. Like it's uh, a yeah. Chief Bashir, Dax, and Odo, and Morn sitting there. Yes. Yeah. yeah you got to get so the, and, Yeah, you got to. He never shuts up, but he doesn't talk a lot in this one. That's true. Um, <laughs> um, he says, so, and Chief's just like, gather around, gather around. I know the truth of this story. You know, yeah, yeah, that's a better Chief. That's good. Yeah. Right. Chief's come back around. Go. Redeemed. Redeemed. Um, he says, Klingons used to be a softer society and they had triples as pets. But the Romulans saw this as a weakness and attacked Konos, releasing the Klingons warrior spirit. Yeah, which and made after them the triple... grow ridgeheads. They didn't yeah, have that exactly. before. Yeah, they also try to surmise as to why Cleons look different in yeah, the this... past as to why they look different. Because this is before the Enterprise episode that explains all of that. Right. right, right, right that right. Enterprise yeah. three-parter with the right. augments. So this is like, yeah, they're trying to like do that. They're trying to shoehorn the two Enterprise things into one that the, the Tribbles and the Cleons looking like they do now are connected. For a single issue, this one's got a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of silly. Uh, I do is. like it's I fun. do like the story, the idea of everyone sitting around a table telling stories. Like, I'm mean, yeah. a huge fan of Batman the animated series and the Almost Got Him episode where they're all talking about how they almost got Batman. Like that's, that's <laughs> oh, one of that's... the best episodes, and it kind that's of felt awesome. a little like that. But some of the stories they told were really dumb. Like that O'Brien. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Their their warrior spirits just activate and they suddenly grow ridge heads and they're like yeah, warriors. Like, that's why the Romans and Klingons hate each other. Yeah, like the tri- yeah, it's the tribal war. The, and then like the, the Klingons hated that they had a um, 
that they were they had a weakness like that because they love triples yeah. so much, so they just wipe them out. And because yeah. they start wiping them out, the triples start breeding faster, which is why they breed they breed the way yeah, they do. Chiefs so had like, an answer for everything. It's it all. Like, oh, but that's why they breed faster. He's just like it was package. pretty funny. Yeah. But they don't buy it, even though Chief, it was a pretty good story. Yeah, and Julian's just like, no, but actually, I know the truth because I did this medical paper that kind of shed some light on this kind of stuff, like from the cellular and the genetic level and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So Julian says it's all because after the T TOS um, Tribble episode, Scotty beamed all the Tribbles onto Koloth's ship, which caused right. a reaction, like an allergic reaction or something, which gave them their foreheads. Yes. And, and, his was the worst. Like that was the stupidest story. Yeah, that's dumb. pretty much as far as his got. He's just like, no, yeah. they just beamed them over there. Yeah, and, and had some kind of viral infection that just spread yeah. amongst the Clean Empire. They gave them on forehead ridges. Yeah, which is and why they like, hate no. Them. That's why before that time you didn't see any with forehead yeah. ridges. Like that's, that's right. his was the one that it tried to explain the forehead ridges yeah. the most, I guess. Uh, so then Jazzy is like, that's dumb. And she knows the truth. And she tells us, here's just the craziest story. Yeah, it's like Indiana about, Jones. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there's a trio of Klingons that do have forehead ridges. And one of her hosts, who's not one we've heard of before, so yeah. she's totally making it it's up. Like an ancient ex like, like explorer. Yeah, like, like Jar Hunter or something. Yeah. yeah, totally Indiana Jones. Who's wearing a full Indiana Jones outfit. Like and He has, in he a, has Molor's uh, mystical batleth. Yeah, right. And and then he meets these Klingons and they work together and they turn a bunch of using Molo's Batleth, they turn a bunch of tribbles into a Trojan tribble and right. hide inside so that they can be taken inside and sneak attack their enemies. And then once in there, they do attack and then they turn the Trojan tribble into little tribbles again. Yeah. It was all which, it was all little tribbles that were like just merged into one big one. Yeah. And, and then Cleon's like triple so much that they were just really taken with this big purring triple that they brought it yeah. in. Yeah, which is so dumb. Yeah. yeah, hers was the worst. So that was her story, basically. And then again, the foreheads, I guess, spread because of the trio that had the foreheads. Yeah, they were like, they heralded it and everybody loved it. Yeah. Spread DNA across the galaxy, I guess. So then Odo's is like, all your stories are crap because Morn told me the real story. Yes. earlier today so why don't you tell them which is just like haha you guys are stuck here for hours now while Morn talks and then Odo leaves and yeah. that's and that's the end that's yeah the end it was fine it wasn't yeah. yeah it I mean I wouldn't give it an F I guess but I definitely give it a C it was okay I um, gave it I a just, B because I thought it would be a hilarious um just the table scene like yeah that no I agree that the, the conceit would be good if they had shown yeah. that episode or even a similar idea where maybe some event happened and it's almost like Rashomon where each of them are remembering the event a different way you know what I mean yeah. and then you, you you don't know what story like everyone is the hero of their story but looks different than everybody else's like that idea would be really interesting so I do think the core concept is neat I just feel as though yeah. the the fact that they focused on that tribal episode, is like yeah. eh, I don't know I, I yeah I didn't need Trojan tribbles and, and no that, dumb story and... it was silly it just yeah. would have been a fun little scene for me but I gave it a B I understand it could be in a C for sure yeah no I too, understand too, it too silly and funny to be an F yeah agreed <laughs> so then we come to the last one which is old Garrick Requiem of Obsidian Garrick's having some adult issues yet again yeah it is um from his past and it starts off with him just stabbing this lady in the chest yes in, but in just the past, his past. yeah yes and she was a spy for the obsidian order 
yeah, in order started, for them or something. Yeah, and they started distrusting telepaths, so they they yeah. wanted her dead. So he his mission was to kill her. Yeah, she's from a telepathic species, and then he starts seeing her around the station. So nice. he's freaking out about that. And then he has like a freak out and like starts hitting people in the bar and stuff because he's just like freaking out about the whole situation. But then yeah. it turns out his like brain is also deteriorating. Yes, and it's gonna be rapid. Like Julian's like, you're gonna die in hours or days, and mm-hmm. I don't know why. And then he sees this woman again and he chases after her and she's just like, no, I'm the sister of the person you killed. Yeah. He's like, ah, so you're here for revenge. She's like, no, actually I'm here to help you. Yeah. And it was, she didn't uh, like the way her sister lived and that type of thing. Yeah. And the sister, when the sister the cycle of violence and that sort of thing. And when the sister died, she put some kind of brain hex on him that didn't, Yes. That because of the other brain hex he had from before, uh, <laughs> didn't didn't really uh, didn't really activate until they got rid of that brain hex in the episode where they did, and then this yeah, one the, took the wire. Over. Yeah, and then this one took over and and was was slowly killing him, and then she basically yeah. comes to save him by sacrificing her life. Yeah, and that's basically the whole episode. Yeah, it's okay. Really like good. there wasn't. I I like the idea. I love Garrick. He's one of my favorite characters. He's one of the oh, most yeah. complicated. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 I mean. You can retcon this as much as you want. I know Andrew Robinson has, but like one of the early sort of uh, not necessarily binary characters, like he's seen bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I know Andrew Robinson has said in interviews he played him that way. And uh, well, he wrote a book, right, right, called A Stitch of Time. Yeah, I, we cover it on the podcast because it's it's fantastic, and he definitely portrays him that way. He portrays Garrick in that book as someone who's just attracted to impressiveness. Yeah. Makes sense. So, Perfectly makes or, sense. Or intrigue. Yeah, I mean, him and Julian always had a kind of semi, like a mm. friendship relationship on Julian's side, but it seemed like it could have been more to to Garrick. He mm-hmm. certainly said a lot of things that seemed to go that way. Um, mm. And it's weird because Robinson's not an actor I was super familiar with. I only really knew him from uh, from Deep Space Nine until I watched Hellraiser not too long ago, and then yeah, I was I like, was "Oh, there he is. Yeah, it's weird seeing him in." Oh, Hellraiser. and also, um, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Right. 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 And uh, recently, there's a. I'm sure you may have covered this on the show. The documentary "Those Left Behind" the, that they did, where they oh, talk about, yeah. yeah, me too. I thought it was great, and like he was in that quite a bit. And it's a real crime to me that we're not going to get another another season of this show done the way the writers wrote it out. Oh, it yeah. sounded so amazing. It did. Um, especially now that Odo's gone too, which sucks. Uh, Rene Aubergine, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. um it yeah, I liked it. Um there were there's no episode I mean there are episodes that that brushed up about Garrick's time in the Obsidian Order. There were no real episodes that really showed him in his mm-hmm. glory of being an obsidian assassin, um, which I thought was really nice cool to see it depict it. Um, oh, and that I've, scene too in the issue where Zial walks in and he was about to say those people I killed, and he's like, Those people I fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that too. And then they just like there's like this little moment of understanding between him and Julian. Um, I did feel like he was way more open in this than he would be in this show. Like he's kind of given off a lot of details that he wouldn't normally just expose without Um, the obfuscation. He's just like, Yeah, I killed these people, Julian. How do you think about that? And Julian's just like, Oh, well, I guess that I'm not surprised. Well, it's weird because the whole show he's danced around that stuff, and then all of a sudden he's just like, Oh, I killed people. It's like maybe maybe it was the deterioration. Yeah, let's go with that. That's some good head yeah. <laughs> So that brings us to the end. Any yeah, final uh, uh, conclusions? Well, I, I give this one in B. Yeah, me too. Would have been an all right B plot. Would have been an all right B plot. I feel like yeah. there definitely would have been, if that was an episode, there would have been something else going on in the episode for sure. It wouldn't have just been that. 
probably would have been, I don't know, O'Brien and Kiko having a fight or something. But uh, well, I thank you for joining me for this first. Oh, thank you so much. I know this was long a review a that may have gone over an hour and a half longer than I told you it would. It's quite uh, all right. I had a good time. This is fun. Everyone should listen to this. Yeah, please do. It's graphic histories. Uh, dot com, I believe is the interviews name. are really good. Oh, thanks, and, man. And so, and, so, and so are the other ones, the uh, the inf- informative, and yeah, yeah. It's been a little while since so I've done those anymore, but uh, I appreciate it, man. I'll definitely have you on a future episode. We can do this again. Oh, that would be real fun. Learn about um, the, the origins of Devin uh, Skillern. <laughs> Devin <laughs> is actually the pronunciation. There. Oh, thank you. Um, that's good too. Because no uh, I thought I looked at the spelling of your name and I, I met you years yeah, ago in weird. person and, and uh, I was like, I feel like it should be that, but I don't want to, you know, it's Celtic it's a, for David or something like that. Um, makes sense. But as for us, you All can right. email us at locutors of check at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Oh, tomorrow night. This was <laughs> only our, our initial collaboration, right? Uh, tomorrow night at this very same time, 8 p.m., tune in for X-Rated, the X-Men animated review show. Yes, going to be hosted, gonna... co-hosted by myself and Andre. Yes, this is only the beginning of a beautiful friendship, David. Exactly. I'm looking forward <laughs> to this. That's uh, I get to watch X-Men animated and talk about it. It's going to be good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited to, to do a deep dive through that as well because I have nothing but fond memories about that series. So. Morph! <laughs> <laughs> morph we'll justice that. for morph justice for morph thanks again oh thank you man it was a pleasure great talking start signing time. off right. bye bye <laughs>